G'day humans, what's a good word? Chris Funder here for another edition of Wrestling Old Style with Mr. Alex Fruity Williams. Alex, how you going, mate? I'm doing fantastic. I'm a little bit hungry, so I think it's time for a wrap, isn't it? Yes, it's another edition of the weekly wrestling wrap, Wednesday, August 26, 2020, discussing a big week in the uh, world of wrestling. Yes, good old Winter Slam. Yes, indeed. It's, it's one of the, the odd things, like, us being in the Southern Hemisphere watching a show called SummerSlam and we're always like, wait, what? Because <laughs> watching yeah. as a kid, you don't understand as a young kid the different seasons and everything go all over the world and, and you're kind of going, but it's win- winter. Why are they calling it summer? And what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like this past week, I don't know, you're up in Queensland, so you're probably laughing, but... It was, like, the worst week of, like, winter rainfall and, like, cold weather. Like, today is a beautiful sunny day here in Wodonga, but um, still, even this morning, at 7 o'clock, it was, like, minus 1. So, so like, it's just real weird when, like, you're freezing your, you're freezing your nipples off and it's... Like you're watching SummerSlam at like nine o'clock in the morning and it's still foggy outside and you see all these ads for like, oh yeah, go out and eat an ice cream bar or whatever for all the American fans watching WWE or like, oh yeah, let's go out, uh, biggest party of the summer and whilst I'm sitting there on my couch, just like rocking back and forth, being like, I'm going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, indeed. So I suppose from there we should move into some of the events we watched. Um, There's still no new NWA. Did you happen to watch AEW Dark again this week? Ah, yes, I did not. (laughs) (laughs) Tricked you. (laughs) Um, No, I, I didn't this week. Um, I've honestly struggled to keep up with as much of the stuff as I did. Um, I was meant to watch uh, Dark at some point after watching Raw today, but full disclosure, we are recording this like as soon as Raw went off the air. So we're pumping this one out fast just to um, bring some fresh hot takes to our lovely humans. Yes, indeed. Um, so I thought there wasn't a lot noteworthy on this edition of Dark. Um, in the opening match, it was Kip Sabian defeating Michael Nakazawa. Um, so I just want to ask you this. Post the speaking out movement, how do you feel about Nakazawa taking off his underwear and trying to use it as a mandible claw like Mr. Socko? Yeah, um, there's a lot worse gimmicks that could have been used post-speaking out movement. Thankfully, that particular gimmick I have in mind has been quote-unquote cancelled. But yeah, this is still like an awkward thing, but that, like I, I don't know, I didn't watch Dark. He's not doing it to a woman, right? Uh, no, he was trying to do it to Kip. Uh, At least he's not trying to do it to Penelope Ford. Not that, like, like, 
yes, men on men can do some very sexually inappropriate stuff from time to time. Like, yes, that, that was a big part of the speaking out movement, but I think I'd be a lot more uncomfortable if Michael Nakazawa was running around with his underwear trying to shove it into the throat of, like, a female wrestler. Fair enough. I suppose we'll we'll see sort of where this goes over the coming weeks. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't go far. <laughs> like, Nakazawa doesn't do it for me anyway. Uh, Ricky Starks cut a promo about Darby Allen. Later on in the show, Colt Cabana and Dark Order members Free and Four, that's Reynolds and Silver, defeated the team of D3, Fabu, Andre, and Ryzen. Uh, later on, Lance Archer defeated Jesse Sorensen and John Cruz. Uh, Jesse Lance... Sorensen? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you remember him? Mm, no. Uh, t- do you remember the dude that broke his neck from a moonsault from Zima Ion on TNA? Yeah. That's Jesse oh, Sorensen. Wow. Yeah. The one that they said would have a lifetime contract with TNA because of that injury. And then like Dixie Carter came out and said he's got a job for life with us. And then she fired him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um that's a name I haven't heard in a bit. So that's cool. Did he come out holding a football like he used to? Uh no. I he actually came out because Lance carried him out to the ring as he had been in backstage and proceeded to beat both men up before winning. Post-match, Jake T's doing a DDT, but dropped the man down without doing it. Jesus. Um, oh, man, I would kill to see a Jake DDT anyway. Um, com- completely off topic, but last night I was looking at uh, Wrestle Botch's Facebook page, and they had a video of Jake Roberts for their Supercell Sunday uh, do- doing a DDT on Mr. Fuji, and it is the funniest thing ever. I'm definitely going to have to send it to you, Hoggy, and I'll probably have to figure out a way to share it on our Twitter because he hits this DDT on Mr. Fuji, and Mr. Fuji is convulsing on the ground and pretty much dry humping the ground. <laughs> it's uh, so funny. Later on, Billy Gunn defeated Dark Order member five. That's Angels. Uh, post-match, Silver and Reynolds ran down to attack Billy, but Austin Gunn returned and chased them off. Uh, and in the main event, the Lucha Bros and Butcher and Blade defeated the four-man team of SCU, Daniels, and Kazarian with Private Party. Oh, that looks like it would have been actually a fun little match. Yeah, sort of setting up what would happen later on in the week there. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting combination of the Lucha Bros and Butcher and the Blade, but um, yeah, we'll discuss that a bit later on. I suppose from there, are you ready to cross the line? And we're going to say this same joke every week, but yes, let's cross the line. <laughs> um, uh, there's, there's one particular segment that I actually would like to 
get into a little bit that I thought was fantastic. Impact Wrestling's Impact TV for Emergence Night 1. There's big oh, full, full disclosure, guys. I was wrong. Everything they announced for Night 1 ended up happening on Night 1. So my bad. TNA uh, didn't botch. Alex botched. Alex botched. I did a, I did a TNA myself. Um, yeah, so I'm not even going to make any excuses. I effed up. So, um, yeah, it's a completely different regime. They are not making the same mistakes a previous form of TNA would have. Uh, so from there, they open with a big hype video for Emergence Night 1. Kick off of the show straight away. Impact X Division Championship. Chris Bay, the champion, versus TJP with Balabar in his corner. And Rohit Raju. Interesting result, but storyline, it actually made sense. I would would have really liked Chris Bay to have held on to the title for a bit longer, have a lengthy run, but... Perhaps they might see a little bit more interest in him um, chasing after the belt. So maybe he goes on a lengthy chase and then eventually gets his lengthy title run. Yeah, so closing stages, TJP's down the ring, Bay's in a tree of woe, and Raju does the double stomp to him and pins Bay in the ring, becoming the new champion. I was genuinely shocked. Like... I thought there was no way if Raju was going to win the title, I thought there was no way he was going to pin Chris Bay to do it. I thought thought they might do the whole thing where Bay loses the title without being pinned, but now they went all the way with it. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree there. I thought uh, he pinned TJP and sort of sneak out the victory there, but they went, he's going to double cross the champ and pin him uh so from there they went across to wrestle house johnny bravo and crazy steve are playing with their toy stuffed animals then ac romero and larry d were talking saying that larry d is a changed man like wearing um cologne and doing his hair and wearing a bun-up shirt yeah i actually thought larry d looked great here Um, what do you say he's now lawrence d (laughs) Yeah, Lawrence something rather. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. Um, I, I love it. Like, he thinks he's all classy and, like, he's all spruced up, but he still kind of looks like crap. I love that. <laughs> uh, the then was a Good Brothers promo saying how they're going to destroy Ace and Fulton later in the night. 20 minutes into the show, Josh Matthews welcome viewers to Emergence. Josh and Madison run down the car for tonight. Sorry, X Division. Guess you don't matter. Uh, for the remaining championship matches tonight, there are special introductions similar to uh, NXT TakeOver, which X Division didn't receive again. Sorry. <laughs> so much like our, uh, our 2009 lockdown we just watched where they run down the card 20 minutes in, <laughs> TNA does it again. Oh, man. Oh, it's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's some funny stuff. <laughs> the the only saving grace here is it's not on pay-per-view. <laughs> and it would have yeah. timed out with roughly the time uh, Dark would have ended. Oh, man. 
So I guess that's the only saving grace they've got there. <laughs> uh, match number two, it is the TNA World Heavyweight Championship match. Moose the champion versus Trey Miguel of the Rascals. Like, Trey's pretty good. Um, but, yeah, like, this match was never in any doubt for me. So, like, the whole intrigue of the result wasn't really there. So I wasn't really that into it. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to have to agree there as well. Um, so Moose ends up getting the victory, and then in the post-match is attacked by EC3. Backstage, Reno Scum are talking to Hernandez, saying how they got the money from Rhino after doing him a favour, and then there's an Eric Young hot video saying all his time in the company, showing different uh, past versions of Eric Young. Yeah, I am... Um... Uh... I completely forgot about World Elite, to be honest. But it was, I was like, oh, yeah, World Elite. (laughs) I'm shocked he even remembered. Backstage, Willie Mack is talking to Jimmy Jacobs before Brian Myers comes in, takes Jimmy Jacobs aside and wants to do a sit-down interview. There's then another hashtag Heath for Impact video before the third match of the night. Uh, I wanted to talk about Brian Myers in a few. Obviously, I'm very into Brian Myers. Um, I thought this was really good, but man, I like I'm just done with the whole. I used to work for that company, and I got treated like crap. So, like, I'm here now because I, I I'm good. You see, I'm good. Okay, trust me, I'm good. They didn't know it. I'm good. Believe me, wow, I'm sick, sick of that being a gimmick, particularly like with the history in Impact Wrestling slash TNA. Like almost everyone that came from the WWE had that exact gimmick, but Brian Myers like delivered that promo so well, and he was very good at it. Um, I just hope he evolves away from that aspect of it all. Yeah, I'd like to to see him grow more into a character, especially him and Heath get out of this comedy role. I wouldn't necessarily say Brian's in a comedy role. No, no, but I mean evolve more from I got mistreated in the WWE, they didn't know my potential. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um. Yeah, so the Heath for Impact thing, like, uh, I come out every week and say I wanted to see a serious Heath Slater, see something different from him, but this, yeah, every week I just have to concede defeat. This is what they see from him. I think they're missing the boat on him. Yeah, he does have a lot more to offer. You look at that championship match he had before leaving with um, Drew. Oh, that promo. The promo he cut before that match. Like, he can deliver a very serious, like, relatable promo. Like, he can be, like, a serious, like, gritty, like, working man sort of baby face. Like, underdog sort of style. Like... There's a lot of potential there with him, but 
they're just going back to the oh baby Heath Slater like rock band style like he's not necessarily the one man rock band but he's still like got that same sort of delivery and whatever yeah uh, match number three the good brothers Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson versus Ace Austin and Madman Fulton uh, much to add here Alex uh, not really. Um, Carl Anderson's gear still hasn't changed. I hate his gear. Doc his, Gallows has great gear, though. His board shorts. Yeah, yeah, I hate him just hanging out in his camo board shorts. But like I've said before, like, after... On um, the Talk and Shop podcast that these boys have, like, Carl Anderson talked about how he got, like, a heap of messages from, like, almost all of his friends in the industry just telling him that his gear looks like crap. So this must be all, like, really... Like, this must have been all taped, like, around the same time as that first match, so there's not much he can do about it now. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. It's probably a case where Impact bulk taped a couple of months in advance. So the Good Brothers get the win here, defeating Austin and Fulton. They then cut back to Wrestle House. Everyone's in the kitchen before the big match tonight, and someone's drunk uh, the cousin's beer from out of the fridge. No. <laughs> <laughs> they then go to the Wrestle House match. It is Ty Valkyrie versus Kylie Ray with special guest referee Rosemary. Do you have much to add on this match? I hate the presentation of the matches at Wrestle House. I think it looks so cheap. Like, it looks like like when you search up Backyard Wrestling on YouTube. Like, it looks like that. Like, it looks so bad. Ah, uh, it just, it takes me out of it just because it's like one, maybe two cameras. And it's just like, oh, I, I think it looks like crap. <laughs> so I hate the matches from Wrestle House. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm sort of starting to get that way a bit too. It's the first couple of weeks it was something new, but now it's sort of, and doing two matches every week has sort of overexposed it. If they had yeah. done one segment, one match a week, I think it would have helped a lot more. So, like, how much has, like, any of these stories even progressed since that first week? Like, not much really. Like, how many of these segments are entirely pivotal to the progression of a story being told? Like, maybe one a week? Like, not all of them are. It's... I, the main thing that seems to continue is the Rosemary-Larry D thing, and that's about it at the moment. Yeah, I think you mean Johnny Bravo? Yeah, that as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I, I was never that into it, besides, like, a couple of references here and there, but I know you were into it, but it sounds like it, it sort of drained the excitement out of you already. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, but I guess we'll see how much longer this goes. Mm. Um. So, short little match, Kylie Ray ends up defeating Tyre. Then they show a hot video for night two, which will feature 30-minute Iron Woman match, Jordan Grace versus the champion, Diana Perazzo. 
Um, that that's going to be an absolute belter. They then go to the main event of the night for the Impact World Tag Team Championships. The Motor City Machine Guns, Shelley and Saban, the champions versus the North, Ethan Page and Joshua Alexander. Yeah, I thought this was another really good match from these two teams. Uh, I was slightly leaned towards their first match a bit more, but this was still a really good match. Um, Ethan Page is such a star. And, like, he's gotten himself into, like, ridiculous shape as of late. And, like, this dude's ready for a big old shovsky, as they say. Um, maybe a singles run, I would hope. Yeah, who knows? Um, so, really good match. Um, eventually, mostly machine guns get the victory here over the North and retain the championships. Um, so, what did you think of Emergence Night 1 then, Alex? A good show. Uh, felt it was a little bit too, like, predictable. At times, like, that's... Predictable isn't a bad thing, but, like, I don't really feel like uh, if I didn't watch, I missed anything, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I would have missed a good tag team title match between these two teams, but I've already seen one if I didn't watch this show. You know, um, the... The X Division title match really stood out for me just because it was probably the most unpredictable thing on the show. I, I like to be caught um, caught shocked a few times watching their show and I just felt this was a little bit too by the books. For, for what it was, I really enjoyed it, um, especially the X Division match. I'd recommend going and checking that one out. Yeah, um... The promos in Impact are really good at the moment, by the way. Like, the Eric Young stuff was great. Uh, Brian Myers, uh, Good Brothers promo. Um, but then there's, like, the Hernandez-Rhino stuff, which I think is just a complete waste of time. But, yeah. I already think I know where that's going to lead. Oh, who would have thought where it's going to go, hey? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, now that they can probably bring Renee Young back to the trailer park to do an interview with those two people. Um, maybe not from <laughs> what I heard this morning. <laughs> so on um wrestling what was it? Wrestling Observer Radio, Alvarez and Meltzer were talking and apparently Renee Young's got a no-compete in her contract. I think it's really foolish for WWE to think that Renee Young, like, is going to stick to wrestling because she's way too talented for just wrestling. Like, I think she could... Um, she could center. end up... She could, yeah, do sports center... Like, she's a big hockey fan. She could do hockey, whatever. Like, she could she could bloody host a cooking show. Like, she's right into she that She already stuff. does on her YouTube, doesn't she? Yeah, she could. Oh, she did a, a cookbook. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I think all these fans that are out there tweeting, like, Renee Young's going to All Elite Wrestling. I'm like, 
Man, as much as I would actually enjoy seeing her there, two things. AEW doesn't need another announcer slash, like, interviewer. They've got way too many as it is. Um, they've got Marvez, who does very little on Dynamite. They've got Dasha, who does very little on Dynamite. They've got Shaul Guerrero, who was yeah. um, there for the Women's Cup. They've got... Taz and Roberts, who's the yeah. main ring announcer. They've got Taz, who was supposed to only be doing dark commentary. Yeah, you got Excalibur, Shivani, JR, um, and... Vader Scott. Yeah, you got Vader Scott. Like, the only thing I've, I could think of would be interesting would be if they bring in Renee Young to do commentary with Vader Scott and they have an all-female commentary booth for women's matches, which I think would be an interesting idea. Have, um, like, the women's division completely female presentation, like female referee, female wrestlers, female commentators, female ring announcer. Like, I think that would be cool. But, yeah, sorry, <laughs> completely off topic again. Um, yeah, so Renee Young, like, AEW doesn't need her because they got too many co commentators and all that. And two, Renee Young doesn't need wrestling. She can make it in anything, like, outside of wrestling as well. Like, she, she might even be too good for wrestling, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think you're alone in that opinion either. So... Speaking of Renee, I suppose we should go to where she started. That's uh, NXT from Full Sail. Yes, yes. Um, there's a bit to talk about here. Takeover Go Home Edition opening match of the night was a WWE North American Championship five-way ladder match takeover qualifier. Oh, you, you get to um, say it again later, so... Yeah, at least I get a bit of practice. <laughs> <laughs> so it is Johnny Gargano with Candice LeRae versus Ridge Holland. And to absolutely no one's surprise, Johnny Gargano wins. <laughs> Man, like, I get it. you got to put some decent names on TakeOver, like some more established names and all that, but um, I would have liked Ridge Holland to have gotten a spot here. Johnny Gargano does not need to be in the North American Championship picture anymore. I think um, the North American title is better used as, like, oh, here's the, the newer talent we have. Here's their way to build up to the next title. I think uh, Johnny Gargano is like even beyond the NXT title at the moment. So, yeah, I didn't think this was necessary, but I get it. You got to put your names on the pay per view. I would have liked to have seen Ridge go through, but I guess it depends. We haven't seen him that much on NXT proper, and how much experience would he have going into a five way ladder match? Yeah, and. Um... His uh, lack of experience showed at one particular point in this match, which was absolutely horrifying. Go on, man. 
So he throws Gargano into the ropes and then he runs at Gargano to do a power slam, but he tries to do it whilst he's jumping up in the air and Gargano pretty much just lands head, like top of the head first into the mat, just totally pile-driven, like accidentally. Like, I have no idea, like how this didn't do more damage than what it did. Like, this was nasty wicked. And I just, I've just recently watched SummerSlam 97, and I think this neck drop visibly looked a lot worse than what I saw there. Isn't it one of the band moves? The pile driver? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's been around for a while. But this thing with... um. Ridge Holland, it was clearly a power slam attempt, but sort of accidentally ended up into a pile driver. It was so disgusting. Yeah. So Johnny ends up advancing there. Second match of the night, Dakota Kai versus Jesse Kamea. Um, quick little match. Dakota makes quick work at the debuting Jesse. Post-match, she cuts promo and Ayo Shirai runs down attacks Dakota, but then is attacked by Raquel Gonzalez. Uh, yeah. can, can I say my thing I said on Twitter about Raquel Gonzalez now? Uh, was it here or TakeOver? Uh, it, it applies for any Raquel Gonzalez appearance, so... Okay, go ahead. Like, I look at Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez as Shawn Michaels and Diesel, right? So that yeah. obviously means Raquel Gonzalez has to be big lady cool, right? <laughs> yes. And and what was the name of the thing that um like what was it the Kick Squad or whatever that Dakota Kai used to have? Uh, team Kick. Team Kick. So why can't she be the Heartbreak Kick? Heartbreak kick and big lady cool. Sad. Uh. <laughs> I was so proud of it when I came up with big lady cool. And I was like really disappointed no one else had been calling uh. her that yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's one you can add into the mix when we talk about them. <laughs> uh, from there, there was a promo with Tegan, which followed into a promo from Finn. Third match of the night was uh, the trio's team of Ligero Del Fantasma, Walking Wild, Raul Mendoza, and the interim cruiserweight champion Santos Escobar. Are versus... they still calling him interim? Um, on the website, it's listed as interim. I did check that, but commentary mostly calls him the cruiserweight champion. Yeah. Uh, well, there's no way that are going to have access to Jordan Devlin anytime soon and B, going to want to put him on TV anytime soon. So they might as well just get rid of that interim thing. Yeah, yeah, I suppose we can talk about that more in a little bit. But, um, yeah, they versed the team of uh, Swerve Bro and Brizango, Fandango and Tyler Breeze. Do you have much to add on this match? No, not too much. Um, 
I don't know. Like, I really enjoy Santos Escobar, but this whole thing's just... It is what it is for me. It's nothing... Nothing too standout-ish for me. Like, yeah. Just by the numbers booking for me. So, Santos Escobar gets the victory for his team, pinning Tyler Breeze. Um, yeah. From there, there was a shot of Pat McCafe in the car park arriving with his cult members. <clears throat> After the ad, there was an Undisputed Era promo in the ring, and Pat walks down the ring with his cult members. Oh, man, they're NFL footballers. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I said. They're from the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> very good very good i love um, a good play on words um yeah the pc extras are just banging on the glass again during this whole segment f you pc i don't know i'm at the point where i miss the pc now <laughs> But we'll um, get there later. Next was the team of Rhea Ripley and Tank Girl versus the Robert Stone brand members Aaliyah and Mercedes Martinez with Robert Stone in their corner. Yeah, you... nothing, nothing really stand out from here, but bigger things to come, hopefully, for Rhea. At one point... Uh, Mercedes is on the apron Rhea picks her up Powerbomb slams her over the guardrail Onto a table ringside And Shotzi Blackheart Pins Aaliyah for the victory uh, Following that There was a Keith Lee cross Video package going into TakeOver It was such a good Video package by the way Set to Frantic by Metallica from the 2002 St. Anger album Which was a weird choice but the tiktok in the song sort of made sense so i guess but i thought the video package was just top notch it was like almost like wrestlemania 17 levels of awesome main event of the night it is match number five and also your final wwe nxt north american championship five by ladder match takeover qualifier <sighs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, you don't have to say that anymore, at least. <laughs> so it you is. Just, you get to take away at least one word. <laughs> <laughs> so it is Velveteen Dream versus Finn Balor. Now, partway through the match, Cameron Grimes comes down to ringside and stands on a ladder and grabs the North American belt from ringside and poses with it. After an ad, Johnny Gargano comes down, pushes Grom off a ladder down into the ring where he spills, taking down the referee. Both men in the ring then attack. Next, Bronson and Priest are down to confront Gargano. This turned into a complete cluster F where Finn on the outside, Timothy Thatcher runs in and attacks Finn. And Velveteen Dream gets the victory here, defeating Finn Balor. Post-match, everyone brawls but Bronson is the one standing tall as they go off the air. We got to finish a go-home, like, NXT take A go-home show for NXT before a takeover where 
an Aussie is standing tall at the end of the show holding a title above his head. Like, pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely have to agree. That was a really cool-looking shot there. But because he ended the show standing tall with the title over his head, I was like, oh, no, he's not going to (laughs) win. That's just like this—it's the classic formula. Like, whoever looks good at the end of the go-home show, like, isn't gonna win. Um. So, do you have any thoughts other than this match was a complete cluster f? Uh, like I, I sort of like, I think I was yeah, I was watching this one live. So I like went to the toilet or something and came back and like. Like, Bronson and Priest are in the ring with Gargano. I was like, oh, what happened to the match? And then they do their thing, and then then Finn gets thrown back in the ring or whatever. I'm like, oh, the match is still going? What? What is happening? I was so confused. Yeah, so whilst it wasn't the strongest match to end the show, it was the strongest visual to end the show. Um, just a couple of quick notes here. AEW didn't run that night, so the uh, viewership in the US NXT ran unopposed. They got 853,000 in viewership, their highest since December 25th, which was also unopposed. Uh, they Honestly, also... the, the rating was quite a surprise for me because I thought it would be a lot higher. And they got a 0.24 in the key demo, their best since February 19th this past year. Yeah, I was a bit shocked about that as well. I thought they'd do a lot a lot higher unopposed. I thought they would do a mil easy. I thought they would hit the million mark. But, um, yeah, I was quite shocked. Also, I was very shocked they didn't, like, do something big for an unopposed show. Like, this was just like a... Like, this was good, but it was like nothing out of the ordinary, nothing, like, that really took advantage of the fact that they had no competition for this one night. Yeah, I'd I'd have to agree there as well. It sort of dropped the ball there, and we'll going ahead if they do anything coming, um, coming up the next couple of weeks, they're unopposed. Yeah, yeah. The, now we're past a takeover where they can build fresh stuff and they're still going to be unopposed. I expect, like, this coming week's NXT to actually be complete chaos and all sorts of unpredictable, wonderful television viewing. Um. So from there, on Friday, there was nothing of note... Uh... NXT UK ran another episode of their Superstar Picks where current wrestlers pick classic matches involving European wrestlers. Uh, Did we get any Alex right? Not that I remember. I remember someone chose Dynamite Kid and Uh, I think someone chose the uh, Wembley main event. uh, Bulldog and Bret Hart. Yeah. Yeah. Great match. (laughs) It's fantastic, yeah. Yeah. I just would have loved it if someone picked, like, Alex Wright versus William Regal or something. Lord Stephen Regal, sorry. <laughs> He's a man's man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Isn't, so, there a, um, 
Isn't there yeah. a match on SmackDown where he's coming down for a match and he's got like his weak, uh, regal like English duh, 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 yeah. and then someone in the truck cuts it to he's a man. <laughs> it was um, for a superstars match with Daniel Bryan and the story goes that Daniel Bryan like like thought it would be a good rib for that to happen. So this was all like Daniel Bryan's idea to have that music play for Regal like half they like play it halfway when he's halfway down the ramp. So he's all like all serious and stuff and then the music just hits him right as he's in the moment. And it was just brilliant. <laughs> and yeah, Regal loses it. Daniel Bryan's in the ring losing it. It's just great. And also, uh, yeah. the match itself is fantastic. Because, <laughs> yeah, I watched it not long ago. Daniel Bryan versus William Regal. Amazing stuff. So, Alex, are you ready for a good time? Every week they ask me if I'm ready for a good time. And they don't give me one. All right. Is that joke over and done with yet? Um <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. I'll continue to ask. Uh, I I think they missed an opportunity to change the SmackDown ACDC song this week from one night only to Thunderstruck, but... Yeah, how did they not go with that? <laughs> yeah, right? Oh. Uh, missed opportunity. Straight yeah. off the opening of the show. <laughs> Yep, exactly. Uh, so show starts, big pyro, light display, camera cuts to the ring, and Vince McMahon's in the ring. Yeah, We haven't seen him for how long? I don't know, but it looks like I haven't seen him for 100 years by the way he's aged. Oh, I remember. Wasn't it Money in the Bank with AJ... Oh, is it AJ no. and Brian in his yeah. office? Yeah, where he just bitched out two of his best wrestlers. <laughs> yeah. It's going to protect that T-Rex head. Yeah, get out of my office. Okay, sir. Yes, sir. Like, <laughs> imagine if, like, they did something like that with Austin and Rock back in the day. <laughs> oh, man. Anywho, Vince is in the ring. Then the Fiend's music hit, and he enters. He goes downstairs face-to-face with Vince. Then Strowman's music hits, and he makes his way down the ring. And as he gets in the ring, Vince has disappeared. So he's standing face-to-face with the Fiend, and then Retribution arrives. Nice to see they got an invitation to the new building. Hey, they, they knew where the building was. They crashed it. Maybe they have an inn. That's how they keep getting in. They have a man on the inside. Who knows? I'm trying to make this sound a lot more interesting than it actually is. <laughs> so the Fiend leaves. The lights go out. And when they come back on, he's disappeared. And Retribution attacks Braun, leading to the SmackDown locker room emptying to attack Retribution and send them fleeing. Strowman, angry, then attacks the locker room, including laying out Drew Gulak. So they go to match number one after an ad break. It is Big E versus Sheamus, and the entire locker room is standing ringside. 
not because it's a lumberjack match, because they're on the lookout for retribution. I think that was a good a good touch. Uh, did you notice, like, when the entire locker room emptied, how like the Miz got there like so late, like retribution had already fleed? Yeah, because he's a ju- heel. Yeah, yeah, like. I liked that little touch. Like, he's just being a little chicken shitty. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm here. I was here the whole time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> like, I loved that little touch to it. So, yeah. Um, Now, this was the first match for their Thunderdome set. At one point, there was, semra- there was seven camera cuts in 20 seconds. Just like, oh, uh, awesome. <laughs> the Kevin Dunder Dome. <laughs> <laughs> so the lights begin to go out and they go to an ad break. Commentary mentions nothing of the lights after the ad break. And the locker room begins to fight outside, leading to Seamus being distracted and Big E picking up the victory. Yeah. Oh, well, at least Big E's getting some wins on telly. I like it. I go to the trainer's room where Jeff Hardy said he got attacked when Retribution was out earlier. Says that his knee hurts. The camera then cuts to a different part of backstage where the Lucha House Party is walking down to the ring for their match later. Nakamura and Cesaro attack him from behind. Back from ad, we go into the second match is the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Cesaro and Nakamura, the champions, versus Lucha House Party team of Grand Metalik and Lindsay Dorado, with Kalisto in their corner. During this match, there was an insert backstage video of Miz and Morrison, and we miss three pinfall attempts whilst they're talking. Yeah, that was so bad. And the promo itself just... Wasn't even necessary. Um, as I cut back, there's a little bit more action. There's a miscommunication between Lucha House Party, which leads to Cesaro and Nakamura getting the victory. As they leave, Kalisto seems upset with the Lucha House Party and there seems to be dissension amongst the team. There's then a video shown of who attacked Jeff Hardy during the opening opening retribution attack and it turns out it was AJ Styles AJ Styles is interviewed says he doesn't have to answer these questions then walks off and clinks his uh, belt with Bailey and Sasha backstage <laughs> oh. there's then a Mandy Rose interview says how uh, it's been a tough week and she wants to put all this behind her and Sonya wants to go back to being friends yeah, I was but, quite shocked they brought this up. Like, they didn't specifically bring it up, but they alluded to it. Um, they kind of had to, though. It was yeah, such big news over the week. Yeah, absolutely. So there was an incident at uh, Sonya's house where a stalker got into the house. Her and Mandy were actually in the house at the time, got in a car called 911 and left the house. Uh, the guy got arrested. He's still in custody, denied bail. So, yeah, that's that's where this is sort of alluding to that news. Bailey and Sasha are in the ring. Corey Graves goes to interview them. Uh, Naomi comes down, says she wants to face both Bailey and Sasha, 
and then like a baby face attacks them both. What? <laughs> well, Naomi's a baby face, right? Then why did she attack both of them when they were just standing there? Because she's tough. I don't know. It's just weird. Um, yeah, I, I've never been a fan of Naomi's promos. I think they fall a bit flat for my liking. She's a fantastic athlete, all that, but I think she's missing something on the mic. This this right here felt like a good demonstration of of that. Yeah, this was not a good a good interview promo. Um Graves suggests a beta clock challenge where the winning uh person from Bailey or Banks gets to go on second against Asuka on the pay per view. So the first beat the clock challenge, Sasha Banks and Bailey stays ringside versus Naomi. Uh, she defeats Naomi in 339. Post match, Bailey gets in there and starts attacking Naomi as well. After the ad break, Bailey now faces Naomi with the time to beat 339. Um, she ends up getting distracted and loses to Naomi in a minute 55. So Sasha will be the person going second at the pay per view. Yeah. Yeah, so this definitely made me think that the matches of the pay-per-view were going to be back-to-back. Okay, so me and you were thinking the same thing as soon as this was announced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially how they did this in particular. But whatever, it's fine. Um, and then post-match, Oscar runs down to attack Sasha and Bailey, who retreat backstage. Um uh, Back from ad, Jeff Hardy is still in the trainer's room and they cut to Sonia Deville. Dana comes up and says, sorry about the week you've had, and she slaps Dana. They then cut to Sonia, who's on the ramp for an interview, says that she wants to increase the risk versus Mandy Rose, making it a no-disqualification, loser-leaves-WWE match. Yeah, this um, this was definitely an interesting development. Um I think we'll talk about this a bit later on. Yeah, we'll talk about this more as the um when the match arrives itself. Nikki Cross was then talking about how Alexa Bliss has changed. Sort of nothing new from when she was talking the other week. Uh, there's a Daniel Bryan video saying that he wants Jeff Hardy to win because AJ Styles isn't the right champion for the Intercontinental title, which goes into the main event of the night. It is. AJ Styles versus Jeff Hardy for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, good match overall. Jeff Hardy gets the upper hand late in the match and defeats AJ Styles using the knee brace against Styles. Yeah, uh, this genuinely shocked me. And I uh, I like the idea of Jeff having a IC title run at this stage. Um, yeah, I thought this was a good little match. Yeah, they do an in-ring interview with him afterwards and he says he's overcome all his demons and showing what someone can do once they overcome their demons. Yeah, it was uh, good. After an ad break, AJ Styles is backstage, confronts Joseph Park and um, says, what happened? <laughs> Where were you? <laughs> <laughs> then, oh, uh, man. Um... Yeah, 
Do you think we'll ever get Abyss? I think this Friday will be the telling tale. If Parks is still on TV with AJ and they're sort of building to something there, maybe. If he's completely gone this week, maybe not. I think there's no way we don't get Joseph Parks at least um, this week. I think, like, Joseph Parks in particular, not Abyss, but Joseph Parks is the sort of character I could see Vince, like, fallen in love with. Like, it'd have to be, like, the sort of thing Vince would love, right? Mankind. McFoley sort of character. Oh, no, just the Joseph Park part of it. Just the goofy-looking, like... Everyday sort of man. Like, (laughs) the statistician, the lawyer, whatever he is, like... Just his facial expressions and him being so goofy and stuff as Joseph Park. You just you just know Vince would love that. Um, then out of nowhere, there's a graphic that pops up saying Talking Smack is returning this Saturday. What? Yeah. Literally a day after it was announced that Renee Young was leaving. <laughs> it's um, just like yeah yeah go on get lost then f you might well <laughs> ask you now did you watch the first episode i did not okay <laughs> neither did i i have I, I saw clips but nothing too uh too noteworthy for my liking yeah i haven't seen any anything noteworthy come out about it so i don't think i'll be going back and watching this um, main event segment it is in the Firefly Funhouse with Bray Wyatt talking about how he's going to win this weekend versus Braun all of a sudden Braun appears in the Funhouse and attacks Bray they brawl backstage and Strowman throws him off a platform in the loading bay an ambulance then backs in and loads Bray into the ambulance which then begins to drive away then all of a sudden it stops and backs back into the loading bay. And as the door opens, there's a red light in the ambulance with the fiend emerging. <clears throat> That's what I think of it. <laughs> Don't you mean brawn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no? Oh, man, this feud. And I actually like both of these guys, but oh, this feud. <laughs> yeah, so this was your your go home segment for SummerSlam. Um, and the Alexa oh. stuff is just completely dropped out of this feud. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. I didn't have much interest in it apart from seeing where the Alexa angle was going, and she was completely dropped this week, other than a brief mention from Nikki Cross. Yeah. Oh, well. I guess we'll see where this plays out. And from there, we go into overtime with 205 Live. Do you you happen to catch this from the Thunderdome this week? Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> One of these weeks, tell we're going to get you back. I tell you, every week, I will never watch 205 Live again, especially when it comes on after SmackDown and, like, 
every week by the end of SmackDown, I'm just like, oh, I don't want to watch wrestling again. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so from there, on commentary is Drew Gulak, who's 100% after being beaten up by Braun <laughs> on SmackDown less than two hours prior. Now, this is the same show that, like, miraculously had a perfectly fine arena after Retribution spray-painted and cut ropes and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, this doesn't shock me. Yeah, I went back and checked that that was actually in the PC, not the full sale where NXT has been taking place. No, no. So it was just, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) You can see why this storyline is is there like multiple performance centers. Like, is there a SmackDown performance (laughs) center and a 205 Live one and a Raw one or whatever? You can see why this is the the E show just above main event as the F show. I don't know. I, I don't. I think main event has more star power. Billy Kay. Buddy Murphy. <laughs> yeah, like they had like Ali on there one, one week. Like, yeah, I think I'd rather watch Ali rather than, I don't know. Who is Tahuti Miles? I've never even seen this person before in my life. <laughs> Neither have I. But <laughs> yeah, the reason I don't talk about main event is it airs on a one month tape delay still on the network. What? Yeah. Didn't you know that? No, I, I don't pay attention to main event, except for like when I heard the other week that Ali lost clean to Riddick Moss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the only way I keep up with that is the occasional um, looking on cage match to see who fought if I'm on the network looking what happened a month ago. Oh, that's insane. What the hell? Um, I suppose Raw, Raw and SmackDown's like that on the network too. Yeah, I suppose it depends where their international TV deals are still for those. But NXT airs on, what, 30-hour delay, so you'd think it wouldn't be that much. Not that many countries would still be airing main event, surely. <laughs> yeah, I'm honestly shocked Fox 8 still doesn't because, like... Fox 8 was airing Superstars, like, way after, like, Superstars' expiration date. Well, well, I suppose we should talk about something that has a similar thing with its uh, WWECW-style booking. (laughs) (laughs) So, two matches again this week, half an hour show. Drake Maverick defeated Tui Miles... And then in the main event, Jake Atlas defeated Tony Nice. And in the post match, Nice upset attacks Atlas in the ring before going over the commentary desk and saying, 205 Live is crap without Tony Nice. Okay. I'll take your word for it because I won't watch it either way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing stand out, nothing building up. And uh, a rare week where uh, Liguero del Fantasma didn't feature in a tag match. Ah, well, 
Why would you want to have your cruiserweight champion on your cruiserweight show? That doesn't make sense. No, not at all. <laughs> but speaking of uh, champions, I suppose we move across now to a show that was crowning a contender for a champion. Yes, yes, a lot of a lot at stake in this show. So, New Japan strong with the final of the New Japan Cup USA. This airs live as soon as SmackDown goes off the air, so it's airing up against 205 Live. <laughs> i got to admit... The, I watched... the Saturday morning wars, why aren't anyone... <laughs> why is no one talking about this war? <laughs> i got to admit, this was perfect timing because I've watched both <laughs> head-to-head. So I'm watching the opening uh, tag matches on New Japan Strong with commentary and watching the 205 Live without commentary. Yeah, good call. And um, commentary for New New Japan Strong, which I don't think we've mentioned before, is Kevin Kelly and the forever hooligan Alex Kozlov. What do you make of this team? Um, Alex Kozlov has very broken English. He is a very handsome Russian man. His grasp on the English language, like whatever words he does say, he says it very well for someone with such a thick accent. Sometimes he uses the wrong words. It's just hilarious. Yeah, I think he's he's really good in this role, plus... um. Have you seen who's doing the Japanese commentary? No, no, I haven't. Okay, so this might make you interested to check out a replay of the final in Japanese. It is Katsuyora Shibata and Hiroshi Tanahashi. What? What? (laughs) Honestly, the two biggest stars on the show are the Japanese commentators? Maybe. I don't think there's a maybe about it. Maybe Kent is in there. Maybe Kent is a bigger star than Shibata, but... Oh, God. Yeah, so that's that's there if you want to go and check out the, the Japanese commentary. Um, match one, tag team match, Rocky Romero and Adrian Quest defeating the team of Danny Limelight, Rivera and the... DKC, did you happen to catch out the opening tag matches this week? I did not, but thankfully, to because of a certain somebody messaging me, I was able to tune in just in time for the start of the final. So thank you for that, Chris, because <laughs> I didn't even know what was on. <laughs> so second... Uh, match on the undercard was the tag team match of um, Villain Enterprises Brody King and Flip Gordon defeating Bullet Club Jay White and Chase Owens good match here were they actually announced as Villain Enterprises no but they're still in Ring of Honor and they're still a unit aren't they well I I fully expect um their leader to slowly fade away, right? 
Oh, uh, yes, I sort of forgot that he was going to fade away and classify himself as obsolete. <laughs> fade away and classify himself as cancelled. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Um, but, yeah, they weren't announced as that. Um, uh, good. Good, because I think, um, yeah, any reference to villain enterprises might might make people think of a certain someone who is say more than problematic yeah so i think we'll leave it there for now um post-match bullet club attacks king and flip then hikaleu runs in making his return oh man i missed that that's interesting i think (laughs) is it (laughs) the third son of haku yeah is it interesting i don't know did he look good yes good that's good then (laughs) Good for him. Um, there's then a announcement of the Fighting Spirit Unleashed tour. So these will be the next sort of events following the New Japan Cup of USA on um, New Japan Strong. Did you happen to... Oh, you didn't catch the ads this week. Did you go back and watch them? No, I didn't. Oh. Um, silly me. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely forgot, actually. You're going to have to remind me every time I watch New Japan to kind of like search it up. Fair enough. And then we got into the final. It is the New Japan Cup of USA. When it receives a contract for a future IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship match versus the possible champion at the time, John Moxley, because we're not really sure what's going to happen there. <laughs> I think the match will happen. Yeah, it's just a matter of uh, when. But I suppose we can talk about that more in the post-match. Yeah. Uh, So it is Alex's pick, Kenta, versus my pick, David Finley. Yeah, going into this, what, you were on six points, I was on like four or something? Yeah, so going into this, uh, Alex was on four points, I was on six Match, Finley bumps the ref, and behind the ref's back, Kenta low blows Finley, but only gets a two count. Finley counters out the GTS, but is caught in a sleeper, and as Finley's worn down, Kenta hits the GTS and gets the win. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) That bell could not ring quick enough for you to send me a photo of you holding the US Championship. (laughs) <laughs> yes i have a replica iwgp us title and um but yeah as soon as that bell rang take a quick photo send it to hoggy let him know yeah i got this one <laughs> <laughs> so yeah little r block update alex is now on seven points i'm on six alex is leading before the g1 Yeah, where I will most likely stuff everything up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So more back to the post-match. Kenta is presented with both the New Japan Cup USA, which is a nice-looking trophy, and then the IWGP US heavyweight contract, which is in a red briefcase, similar to the G1 briefcase. Uh, Kenta has an in-ring promo, calls out John Moxley, 
but instead of getting John Moxley, he gets Jeff Cobb, who runs down, attacks Kemta, and this looks to be Kemta's uh, Kemta's briefcase defense going forward. So I'll just have a couple of quick questions for you, Alex. Do you suspect the plan was always to have uh, New Japan strong with the New Japan Cup and have the winner face the US champion at Wrestle Dynasty in Madison Square Garden because that should have taken place last weekend? I don't know if the tournament was always planned. Maybe it was. Could have been. But I think, yeah, definitely... uh, Main event US title match in the Madison Square Garden probably was always on the cards. Yeah, that that's sort of what I was thinking too. The timing of this tournament where it finishes um, and having a US title shot with this tournament a week before... Oh, sorry. The Friday before the Madison Square Garden event was supposed to take place. This sort of makes me think, hmm... Maybe this was always on the plans for New Japan and they've just pushed it later in the year to have this sort of time out now just before the event was supposed to happen. Yeah, definitely. Um, So New Japan World will be back with another edition of Summer Struggle, the first of two consecutive nights on Wednesday the 26th. Will you be watching any of these... um, announced uh, fan vote matches? Um, Probably watch them when they re-release them with English commentary. Fair enough. So, yeah, from there we go on to Saturday Night Dynamite, or as you called it on Twitter, I think, Sunday Morning Dynamite. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So now we're heading into this uh, time frame where... I'm just sitting at home. I think it was on Saturday, maybe Friday. I'm sitting at home and my phone goes off. I've got a mention by Chris, good old Chris Thunder on Twitter. And it's just pretty much an announcement that yours truly would be taking over the Twitter account and live tweeting all weekend long. Oh, okay then. This is my first time finding out. Um, but, um, oh boy, was it frustrating. Like, trying to pay attention to two shows at once and also trying to live tweet about both shows whilst paying attention. Oh, man. Oh. I, I, don't, I don't know how, like, some of these people that are pretty much making a living out of being like Twitter commentators actually do it. Like it's really frustrating. Yeah. So what was the go with dynamite? Did the NBA game go long and they had to air it late? Yeah. So the NBA game went long. So dynamite for those watching on TNT started like, uh, half an hour late, but yeah. luckily for us international viewers on Fight TV, Fight TV wouldn't show it until an hour later, oh. which meant 
that at uh, nine o'clock on Sunday morning, Dynamite started at the exact same time as NXT TakeOver for, for me. Oh, wow. So it was just like, yeah, I, I didn't get the chance to pay attention to anything by itself until like the main event of NXT TakeOver. So. Fair enough. Um... Yeah, yeah, that was. <laughs> It was just like, yeah, this is just not falling in my favor today. This is just the gods looking down and laughing at my wretched soul. <laughs> at least you go and watch live. I suppose that's one positive. Yeah, yeah. You weren't watching until midnight and had work the next day. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not a silly fool that got into the hospitality industry, so... <laughs> Oh, man. So, yeah, um, we'll talk about Dynamite first, and then as we talk about AEW, you can mention what was going head-to-head at that stage, if you like. Uh, if I can, yeah, sort of remember. Um, yeah, I'm that's even... right. Or chime in whenever anything goes head-to-head, and we can talk about it more um, as it, uh, we get into NXT, if you like. Yeah, that sounds good. So... Um, as they open from from the Dynamite song on the Fight app, we went straight into action. FTR, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Hardwood, with Tully Blanchard all of a sudden in their corner, versus Private Party Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy. Yeah, now, this was this took me by surprise. You're a bit more up to date on social media and sort of what's happening. Was there? especially with AEW, was there any sort of being the elite or anything released to announce why Tully was joining their corner? There was um, nothing, but there's a promo later on in the show, isn't there? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, so there's pretty much that. The only thing that was released um, before that promo um was like an ex- social media exclusive of like FTR doing their entrance because this match starts with both teams already in the ring. Yeah. And commentators made like a big deal out of like like FTR come out and then they look towards the tunnel and then Tully come out and commentary made a big deal out of it. But it's also something like they've teased before like on dark, didn't they? Um, yeah, like, they have teased it before with Tully scouting them on dark, and I suppose and more like or less that time Tully was in the tunnel with him or something. Yeah, and they've um recently on Dynamite where they defended Tully when the Rock and Roll Express attacked um Tully and Arn. Yeah, yeah. So it all sort of. Yeah, it's a, it all sort of makes sense. I, I can't help but feel like there's like a massive like slow build to something big happening here, and I, I'm just like really impatient. I just want to get there, but that's the whole point of a slow build. Build anticipation, and I love it. Um, so this was a really good match. I thought one of Private Party's best. Um sort of two-on-two tag matches in a while. Ultimately, FTR get the win here, and um, 
we go on to a backstage promo. Do you have anything else to add on to the match there? Yeah. Um, no, uh, well, nothing really to add on. It was just a really good match. Um, it was going head to head with the opening match on Takeover, which was also a really good match. I feel like I might need to go back and watch some of these matches again because it was, yeah, my attention was definitely split. But yeah, this was a really good match. Um, so they have a backstage promo with John Moxley in sort of like a um, storage area. He's talking about how he's going to defeat MJF at All Out. They then cut to MJF, who's um, got like a walking frame and a neck brace, talking about what Mox did to him by hitting the paradigm shift and then sort of breaks down and he has his lawyer do the talking for him for the rest of the promo. All right, all right, humans, sit back. This is where your boy Fruity has to chime in and educate the masses a little bit. Uh, this lawyer, Mark Sterling, um, smart Mark Sterling on the indies, also the producer of the major wrestling figure podcast. Oh, wow. A trainee of uh, Brian Myers and very close friend with him, Um yeah, this guy's been on the indies for years. Um, even at retired like six, seven years ago, and then Brian Myers forced him to come back and helps to run Brian's school and all that. And um, it's just really cool to see him finally get a chance on um, national television. He's done a few squash matches in WWE, like. He got squashed by the Viking Raiders one week and all that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, really cool to see him get an opportunity to speak on national television. I thought he was – I might be a little biased, but I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I thought he was really good as well. Um, so they're advocating to try to get the paradigm shift banned for the championship match at All Out. Oh, I was just going to say um, – Moxley's been using Suzuki's Gotch-style pile driver lately. I think this might be a way to turn that into a finisher, right? Yeah, I love a good Gotch-style pile drive. Yeah, so I think this might be building towards moving Mox away from the double-arm DDT, which I don't even think is that good of a finish for him. <laughs> so that'll be good. Is that, isn't that the same one he used in... um? The Fed? Yeah, Dirty Deeds. But, yeah. like, the paradigm shift is, like, sometimes he does the big oh. lift-up one, which is pretty cool, but... Don't they call it um, Death Rider in Japan? Yeah. Yeah, so I was listening to um, another... Oh, it's the same Meltzer and Alvarez show. I can't remember if I said this on-air or off-air before, but um, he was mentioning how they went to the um, Death Rider character sort of came about. There wasn't Moxley in the videos in Japan with the, like, back to the camera and that initially. So they went to, like, a charity store and got a um, biker jacket and had Death Rider on it, and that's sort of where the character sort of came about. Right. So it was just because they bought a jacket that said it. <laughs> yes. That's, that's outrageous. <laughs> 
It's so good. Um, we need to see more Death Rider tag team matches in New Japan. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to see some shooter back in the NJPW soon. It would be fantastic. Oh, man. So from there, we move on to a uh, eight-man tag team match. It is the team of Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus with Marco Stone in their corner, plus the natural knot as QT Marshall and Dustin Rhodes versus the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix, plus the Butcher and the Blade. That's the Blade and the Butcher. Thanks Good match. For, thanks for clearing that one up for us. <laughs> Good match. Do you have much to add here? Uh, no. Um, yeah, it's just another bloody multi-man match, isn't it? Yeah, but it's sort of built up well into what happens afterwards. Yeah, what happens afterwards is pretty sweet, but there's other ways to get to that without doing, like, meaningless multi-man matches each week. Like, these, there's no eight-man tag team division, so these matches don't count towards anything, really. Uh, the like, could... yeah, it goes to their record, but it doesn't really, like change rankings or anything like that because there is no eight-man tag team ranking. So I just think that these multi-man matches are pointless and I'd much rather see, you know, tag teams have tag matches, singles wrestlers have singles matches, something that uh, d- that has some significance on the rankings and some stakes to it, you know? Yeah, I suppose. Um, so ultimately, Lucha Bros and Butcher and Blade lose here. They're sort of breaking down, um, beginning to argue in the ring, in the ring post match, and all of a sudden, Eddie Kingston returns, comes down to the ring, and brings all five, all four men together. Yeah, and does a cheeky little wink at the camera as well. Yeah, so something. Something going on there. <laughs> yeah, I thought his promo was fantastic. Um, big shocker there. Eddie Kingston's been killing it on the mic whenever he's got a chance. Um, yeah, well, we'll see where it goes. Um, another heel faction. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's then a gym video. It's Doc- Dr. Britt Baker and Rebel. Um, Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian are there making out. Britt offers a proposal to give them free dental care if they help her in a handicap match coming up on Dynamite. Yeah, yeah. Britt's always a standout on these shows. Love her work. After that, it was back to the ring. Tony interviews Orange Cassidy, who comes down with the best friends. Best friends ring gear seems fine. Sad Alex face. Indeed. Very sad Alex face. Come on, guys. No bleach-stained gear. Yeah, I thought that was, you know, like when you accidentally get some bleach on, like, a black shirt and it turns out, like, disgusting, like, orangey, like, skin colour? Like, <laughs> like a certain president's colour? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I was hoping they'd come out with, like, weird, like, orangey splotches all over their gear or whatever but whatever because I, I recently had 
a shirt accidentally get bleach spilt on it, and it was absolutely heartbreaking. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so as Orange is about to speak, Chris Jericho comes down, uh, says they're one apiece and names a rubber match for September 5th, the Mimosa Mayhem match, where you can win via pinfall submission or dunking your opponent in an 80-gallon vat of Mimosa. Oh, what, what are your thoughts on this proposed match, Alex? I can't wait to see what it looks like. Um, they might as well have just said you only win by throwing your opponent into the mimosa because if this match ends with a <laughs> submission or a pinfall and no one goes in the mimosa, what's the bloody point? So they might as well have just said you have to throw your opponent into the mimosa. Like, there's no need for the pinfall or whatever. Maybe for the sake of near falls or whatever, but you can do more creative near falls by having someone almost fall in the mimosa. Yeah. Yeah, I just think the pinfall and submission part's kind of pointless unless they're going to have someone get pinned and then thrown into the mimosa. Yeah, I suppose. Just wait and see how it plays out. Um, following that announcement, inner circles surround the ring and attack the best friends in orange before pouring a little bit of the bubbly all over Cassidy's face. Yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty much water torture. <laughs> yeah. Like, th- that looked like, like, extremely unpleasant to deal with. Like, yeah, I would have hated that. <laughs> Um, uh, it so, was a really good beatdown, though, so I'll give them that. We then move on to the third match of the night. It is a six-man tag. The Elite, Kenny Omega, and Man Nick Jackson versus the Dark Order members of number three, Alex Reynolds, number four, John Silver, and number five, Alan Angels. Um, the Elite get the win here. It seems Kenny has snapped having a disagreement with the Bucks during the match. Yeah, interesting. Um, I'm like this whole thing, like, like with Kenny and Hangman and the Bucks, has been going on for so long now. I think it's time to pull the trigger. Yeah, I'd have to agree there as well. Uh, next week, there'll be a gauntlet match for the tag team number one contendership. The match will start with the Natural Nightmares versus Young Bucks, then the Best Friends, then FTR, where the winner will face. Omega and Page at all out. FTR are backstage with Tully. Say that they want to be the best and get the gold. Page then comes in, interrupts the interview, looking for more beers. Um, do you have much to add there? Yeah, there was like, like they sort of discuss like Tully's with FTR because of what Tully said about if you think you're the best, why don't you're not because you don't have the titles. And they're like, well, it's a good idea. How about you come help us get the titles? Like that little explanation was great. Um, then Paige just being all like, hey, guys, what the heck are you doing? Attacking the rock and roll. And then they just smooth things over and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, like I said, this whole slow burn thing with Hangman's been going on for so long. I just... 
I think they just need to do it. Whatever they're going to do, just do it already. Yeah, I'd have to agree there as well. Sort of Page and Omega have sort of been stuck in this and now you can sort of pull the trigger and get things moving. Yeah, I also would really enjoy it if they put the tag team titles on a, you know, tag team. (laughs) Funny that. Yeah, like... Hangman and Kenny are fantastic as a tag team, but, you know, you when AEW first started, you didn't really think Kenny was going to be in the tag division. That, that wasn't your initial thoughts of how everything would play out, and that's probably not what you would have wanted. Uh, I want to see Kenny be a single. I want to see Hangman be a single. I want to see... FTR or the Bucks hold those tag titles. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Bucks and FTR, and you've sort of set up this gauntlet match where they have the possibility of not facing each other to build up to a big pay-per-view match. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Moving forward, uh, fourth match of the night was Darby Allen defeating Will Hobbs in quick, uh, quick fashion. Taz introduces the newest member of Team Taz. It is Darby Starks which is Ricky Starks <laughs> dressed up as Darby Allen with face paint. And he had, like, emo boy written on his chest where Darby's tats are. It was fantastic. Darby's oh, looking... man, Ricky Starks is such a star, and this whole segment just proves it. Uh, Darby's looking up at the stage as Ricky's talking. There's attack from behind by Brian Cage with the FTW Championship. And Ricky Starks ends the the segment by calling Darby a joke. Out comes one of your favourite segments. It is the picture-in-picture Sammy Guevara cue cards. Yeah, I actually had this on mute this week (laughs) just because of... um, 17 seconds? (laughs) Nothing to do with that. It was just because of... uh, whatever was going on on the other channel, so... Yeah, it would have been around co-main event, maybe? Yeah, it, yeah, definitely would have been around the women's title match. Maybe it might have been, like, a entrance or a video package. I like to have the volume up for someone's entrance, especially in NXT, where they've all got pretty cool music. Dakota? Yeah, I love Dakota's music, and EO, for that matter, her as well. Um, so, yeah, it's basically Sammy's there with his cue cards. Halfway through, he doesn't realise that Matt's changed the cards to read off Matt Hardy things like, you will be deleted. Mm. Um, Matt attacks Sammy from behind with a chair. And after the ads, Matt tosses Sammy off the stage through the ring announcer's table. A number of referees come out and separate the men as they go to another video backstage. Yeah, this is a pretty cool beatdown, I thought. Yeah, it's certainly building up what I thought would happen, but we haven't sort of had it announced yet. Oh, they announced something? Yeah, they've announced a tables match, but I thought they were more going towards a, a chairs match. Oh, no, they would never do a stupid stipulation like a chairs match. 
Well, both men have been attacked by chairs. It's sort of logical booking you would go that way, wouldn't you? They were both thrown through tables as well. True. I suppose what Hardy wasn't supposed to be opened up by the chair initially, yeah. was he? No, the the whole point of the first angle like, was to be the big splash through the table. But unfortunately, due to bad luck, the chair sort of overshadowed the table. So I, th- I think, yeah, the table should have been the bigger focus of this. And I think in this second attack, like the Matt Hardy one, the table was definitely the focus of that attack. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, the chair definitely overshadowed the table portion of the Sammy attacking Matt. Would you like to announce what the next video was? Yeah. Uh, Thunder Rosa from NWA. Um, something I alluded to on our last weekly rap, wasn't it? Yeah, this is out of all the women's free agent possibilities that you sort of hinted at this was definitely not what i expected yeah so this so i I sort of heard the word on the grapevine that this was going to be happening also had another thing accidentally spoiled for me on the grapevine later on which broke my heart when i first heard it but but um yeah anyway we'll talk about that later but Thunder Rosa, the NWA women's champion, is coming to AEW and is going to be challenging Hikaru Shida for the women's title at All Out. And my God, this is going to be a very, very exciting matchup. Absolutely. She said she's just there for the championship and to put the respect on the division that it deserves. Yeah, I'm excited for this. Now, now, sort of the behind-the-scenes aspects with NWA, you've had Stark's leave. You've got Thunder Rosa here now. You're supposed to be having a working relationship with Ring of Honor, but you've got your champion Thunder Rosa on AEW. Like, what's going on over there? Uh, and well nwa power lost their producer due to cancellation and they don't have a show anymore so nwa is like pretty much screwed they're they're up the creek without a paddle at a mo at the moment jeez like are they because i check on there like every week and there's nothing new at least on YouTube. Yeah, there's nothing going on there. Um, just because Dave Lagana, their producer and writer and all that good stuff, like, say what you want about Billy Corgan being the one that owns the company. From all sources I've read, Billy Corgan doesn't really have his hands on the company that much at all. It was all Dave Lagana. And then... Speaking out happened. Dave Lagana got rightfully cancelled. And now NWA has nothing. <laughs> yeah, there there is talks at the moment about NWA doing a... Tell, stop me if you've heard this one before. 
a weekly pay-per-view. Oh, jeez. No, that'd be... <sighs> yeah. They're, yeah, they're talking about doing a weekly pay-per-view, but on Fight TV. Sure, man. You're going to have... If you do that, you're going to have to be careful of your price point. Yeah, like... You put it, you put it too high and you're not going to get anyone. You put it too low and you're underselling yourself. Yeah, like the TNA weekly pay-per-views back in the day were like 10 bucks American. The problem with that now is that 10 bucks gets you a whole month plus a back catalogue. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. So what do you do? You do five bucks, then you get in, then you have to have people pay 20 bucks a month. And yeah, whilst that doesn't sound like much, that's still like double the amount people are paying for the network or whatever. So yeah, I don't think it would work in this current climate. You have to charge roughly whatever a coffee is, like two, three bucks. You yeah. Charge any more than that, yeah. People are just going to pick and choose shows or look on YouTube for highlights for yeah. an hour show. Yeah, it's just not worth the investment. Oh well, from little NWA sidetrack with Thunder Rosa, I suppose we should move on to the the women's match. Yeah. So this was. For me, anyway, uh, for all the people watching on Fight TV, this was pretty much going on at the exact same time as their NXT women's title match. And as soon as this came out at the same time, you got EO and Dakota in the ring. I'm like, oh, wow. Isn't this quite a stark contrast? So it is the AEW Women's Tag Team Cup Tournament, the Deadly Draw Final. is the Nightmare Sisters team of Brandy Rhodes and Ali with QT Marshall, Dustin Rhodes and two little brand brands in their corner versus Diamante and Ivelisse. Shaul Guerrero is ring announcing while Vader Scott has joined commentary. Um, Closing stages, QT is on the apron, Brandy... Brandy runs in. It's a complete cluster F. Diamante and Ivelisse end up claiming the victory here. Um, anything before I go into the post-match? Yeah, I actually thought, like I was saying, when Brandy comes out to counteract Dakota and EO on my screen, I'm like, oh, Jesus. But I thought this was actually a pretty decent match. Yeah, I'd have to agree. This was by far the best match of the tournament. Really good showing here for Diamante and Ivelisse. So they go up the stage. They're standing beside the trophy. Medusa's on stage to present the trophy. They get presented medallions and flowers by the referees. They flow down the flowers, celebrate with the flags of Puerto Rico in their hands. And as Medusa is on stage to present the trophy... They cut to a commercial before she can. <laughs> like, ouch, what did she do wrong there already? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, well, she's... 
At least she's getting booked better on AEW than she is elsewhere. Cough, cough. Why? Where is she elsewhere? Uh, the WWF. Medusa. And uh, Fruity's Ultimate Game Show. <laughs> hey! <laughs> cheap shot and a cheap plug. <laughs> exactly. Right here on Wrestling Our Style. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, I've um, decided I'm gonna I'm gonna go the full WCW route and not be such a good uh, sportsman and just like, yep, I'm gonna take shots at your brand whenever I can. Oh man! So yeah, from there, good match. I don't know why they had Medusa on stage to present a trophy if you just can't cut cut to ads and no, they punked not, her out hard too on the fight. Um, presentation even on VOD we didn't get her presenting the trophy spliced in so I'm assuming she's still just on stage with the trophy going hello can I present this now (laughs) oh man Um, maybe like you said how Tully came out during the entrance and it was on social media I'll have to look back through and see if that's a social media exclusive yeah maybe um Main event of the night, it is the AEW TNT Championship. Cody, the champion with Arn Anderson in his corner, versus Mr. Brody Lee, who walks on stage with the Dark Order, but then they walk back. Now, do you have anything before I start running down the match? Um, nah, but just what happens just blew my mind. So, yeah, it comes down to the ring without the Dark Order, all the silver AEW TNT Championship that he had on the video screen last week. Action spills outside with Brody having the upper hand early on. It is all Brody as they go back into the ring, powerbomb into a discus lariat. One, two, three. And Brody Lee is the new AEW TNT Champion. Wow, this, this was a shocking surprise. Yeah, yeah. So I had heard the result, but I had no idea had ha- how they got to the result, and this just blew my mind. Like, they just squashed him in, like, the best way. Like, this is why you had Cody beat all these people, so he could give someone a massive rub by losing to them. And it was awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. So Brody is posing on the turnbuckle with the TNT Championship as the Dark Order enters the ring and doctors are checking over Cody. Tony goes into the ring to interview Brody. As Cody is put on a stretcher with a neck brace, carried out up towards the entrance tunnel and gives a thumb up to the cameras. But the Dark Order attacks Arn and push Cody off the stretcher. Brody hits Cody across the head with a black bag. QT and Dustin are also attacked in the entrance tunnel as Brandy comes out to protect Cody and Anna Jay chokes out Brandy. Brody pours the black bag over Cody's body. It's the old silver AEW TNT Championship and Dark Order stand tall as the show goes off the air. That is how you build a heel stable. That was just perfect wasn't it that 
yeah, there is nothing bad I can say about that. That was a really good show. That felt like a TV special, sort of TV level pay per view show, especially the last uh, last hour or so. Yeah, and like contrast, like how this dynamite went off there to the one that finished the year last year with the Dark Order standing tall and all those little minions punching the air and all that sort of horrible stuff that happened. Like, this is how you book heat. This is how you fire up a a hill stable. And, man, it was just awesome. Uh, The bag with the shattered, cut-up, like, old TNT title was awesome. Like... Man, like even getting into it with Arn and like Brody talking about how guys like you, Arn, you, Tony, that held me back at the other place. Like, yeah, that's kind of what I was criticizing about Brian Myers on Impact. But, but yeah, it was done much better here. Um, yeah, you, you got to love this. This, like, this episode of Dynamite like went off the air feeling like a 1996 WCW Nitro where like NWO have laid out all your baby faces in the middle of the ring and there's just chaos and all that sort of good stuff. Like, yeah, this is like I, I'm so excited for the next episode of Dynamite. So they did their job. Think the next week is a Thursday US, so it'll be a Friday morning for us Aussies. Yeah, which doesn't work well for my schedule, but it's wrestling. I will move my schedule around <laughs> around it. Fair enough. Um, I suppose we should talk about these. What your other eyeball was on, considering you have two and Paul Rey Mysterio doesn't <laughs> watching NXT Takeover Thirty. From Full Sail. So, did you watch the pre-match, Alex? Uh, no, I did not. Um, no, I was cooking breakfast at this point. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so, pre-show match. Uh, the interim NXT Cruiserweight Champions reward for pinning Tyler Breeze on TV this past week was being left off takeover. Well, other than a brief walk in during his stablemate's entrance, because it is a WWE NXT Tag Team Number One Contendership Triple Threat match. They love giving you a mouthful, don't they? A little, I suppose. <laughs> so it is the team of Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan versus Leggero Del Fantasma, Walking Wall, and Raul Mendoza. Versus Brizango, Fandango, and Tyler Breeze. One man from each team is legal at once. This match is a complete cluster F and ends when Tyler Breeze pins Oni Lorcan, making Brizango your number one contenders to Imperium. Again. Yes. Again. Oh. This is not necessary. Remember when the NXT tag division was good? <laughs> TM61. Uh, like, DIY. 
IOP. IOP. Um, yeah, Street Profits, Revival, American Alpha, <laughs> like all those times, like all those tag teams. Ascension. Hey, the, if you're going to say anything nice about Ascension, you're probably going to say it about their NXT run, so I'll give them that. Oh, <laughs> uh, who was it? Kalisto and Sin Cara, Lucha Dragons? Yeah. Remember that one NXT? I don't know if you were watching back then, but um, that one NXT takeover where they had the Ascension like beat too cool. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was so random. So good though. Yeah. That was like Brian Christopher's last appearance in WWE. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Oh, that's sad now. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, the Garo Del Fantasma being booked strong on NXT and 205 Live, not many losses, but lose number one contenders to bring in a match to Breezango, a joke team that they beat on Wednesday. Logic, what the hell? Yeah. Uh, if, if you can't tell by this sort of booking, uh, NXT is definitely starting to get booked like the main roster, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is a little bit, sadly. Uh, so from there, we're going to the pay-per-view portion. NXT TakeOver highlight video of the past 30 TakeOvers. Um, did you happen to see Natty's social media post? Uh, no, I did not. Where she said, happy 30 years, TakeOver. <laughs> I really hope she was just taking the piss. Probably. She's a heel at the moment. Is she? <laughs> oh, who knows? Hot video for tonight with rock music playing. What band was this? Uh, I think I had Dynamite on with the volume at this point, but... What, didn't they have um, Metallica's Moth to Flame as the, entr- as the theme song for TakeOver? Probably. It's like them and Motorhead and Poppy and like one other band that's in their rotation. Yeah. Oh, man. So from there, they opened with Finn Balor versus Timothy Thatcher. I don't know when this was advertised as I had brawled at the end of NXT on Thursday morning. Do you know when this was advertised? Uh, this was like advertised on Twitter, like the, the day of TakeOver. Oh, so this was advertised when we were in bed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like at one in the morning. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Like. <laughs> uh, you could have just put up a graphic on SmackDown and we would have gone, oh, cool. Oh, man, that, they never do stuff like that for NXT on SmackDown or Raw. Like, you get, like, the one video, like, hyping up the coming weeks NXT, but that's about it. Fair enough. Um, quick match. Do you have anything to add here? Uh I th- I thought this was a good like technical match from these two, but yeah, 
it, it was good. Um, there was just no real reason for it in Mars. Like, yeah. Yeah, the, the stakes weren't there yet. Like, it's clear that they're building that they try to build something on NXT, but for me, that felt like it came out of nowhere. They then go to a video of earlier today, Keith Lee arriving with, quote, his limitless posse, unquote, which is Mia Yim, just Mia Yim. <laughs> <laughs> is one person in an entourage really classed as a posse? <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Um, they then have Bailey and Sasha Banks in the crowd. Cut to a hot video for the next match, which they then have for all the remaining matches tonight. Match number three is the WWE NXT North American Championship Five Way Ladder Match. <laughs> so point. it is Johnny Gargano. Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, Cameron Grimes, and Velveteen Dream. Now, the Archer comes down in Razor slash HBK-inspired gear. What'd yeah, you think the of HBK this? vest was, was a choice, that's for sure. And then uh, Jonah comes out in Bam Bam-inspired gear and new music as well yeah uh when i saw bronson Reed come out he's got the new music he's got the cool new bam bam inspired gear bit of a new presentation visually i was like oh this is a good sign no <laughs> and then i noticed you put on twitter that you thought johnny gargano was wearing some inspired gear <laughs> I was just wearing very Alexa Bliss looking like attire, like the pink and the blue. Yeah. Um. So this match is pretty much every that a match. Big men show down the ring, spill out the little men. Little men come back with weapons, knock out the big men. Um. During the match, the PC extras are trying to chant, "This is awesome!" and fight forever which was very trying to listen to. Yeah, it was... <laughs> it was like watching a local indie and there's like five people trying to chant it and they're not even all chanting at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. They were banging on the glass again. Just kindly F you, PC. <laughs> Stop banging on the damn glass and... <laughs> I don't hate it as much as you. I, I think it adds at least some noise, which is desperately needed. But, yeah, I can see your complaint too. It's a bit distracting. But it's like every match. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought this was a really, really good match until Candice LeRae runs in. So she comes down and starts attacking Cameron Grimes, Dream, and Damian Priest. And at this point, I'm going, well, doesn't any of these other men have friends who will come down and help them? 
Like we've mm-hmm. seen Dream before with women. We've seen Priest before with Indy in his entourage. We've seen Grimes talking to women backstage. Yeah, but they hate Grimes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah, the other two make sense. So then she's just sort of out here for the rest of the match, attacking everyone when Johnny looks to be trying to win. Yeah, um, I get your complaint there. Yeah. Johnny is going after the title and Bronson kicks him down. Candace attacks Bronson. Bronson, on top of the ladder with Candace on his back, jumps onto Johnny. And Candace rolls to the outside off of Bronson's back. Yeah, I think it was a cool looking visual. But, like, what did it do to Candace? Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up afterwards. Like, what part of her was injured from that jump? Yeah, like, why did she, like, roll out to the floor and start selling? Like, I don't know. No offense to Jonah, but he doesn't look like he would be exactly a bed of nails to land on. So Grimes and Priest are fingertips away before Dream returns. Uh, He knocks him off the ladder, then climbs up, goes to does his pose with the arms, similar to like the Randy Orton pose, bumps the title, then turns around trying to grab it and is knocked down by Priest. Grimes and Johnny fall into a sickening sunset flip onto the ladder. A Dream Valley driver of Johnny onto Priest on a ladder. Dream fingertips away. Bronson tips the ladder over and Dream falls over to the outside. Every man for himself as eventually Damien Priest climbs up the ladder and retrieves the title. And Damien Priest is the North American champion. Yeah. No? Uh, I just don't get what Damien Priest is. And he's been on NXT for like over a year now, and I still don't understand what he is. He's the Archer of Infamy. What does that mean? (laughs) Like, seriously. That's just... Okay. He is the Archer of Infamy. So he shoots arrows at famous people so he can become famous? I don't know. but um, And then, like, we see a bit later on with him, I'm like, okay, so he's, like, some rock star dude who just, like, parties or whatever. But I, I don't get it. I just don't get what he is. Can't tell you what he's not. What? He's not Kevin Fawn. Well, I don't know. I don't know. If you told me he is, I'm I'm just going to have to go along and believe you because I can't figure it out. Like, he does have, like, vampire tendencies. Yeah. Um. So what did you think of this match overall, I suppose, we should get to? I, I don't know what it is. But, like, it feels like we're getting, like, a multi-man ladder match every other pay-per-view. Yeah, I, I suppose. I feel like we see at least two or three of them a year, which is, like, it shouldn't be that common of an occurrence. And I just, 
feel like I've seen so many like multi-man ladder matches lately, even if I haven't. It just feels like it's too soon since the last one I saw to the point where it's just like, uh, it, it's just all stuff I've seen before. Yeah. Like there's the cool little visual with like Bronson doing his thing with Candace on his back, but like even then, like there's flaws in that as we pointed out. Um, this was a good match. Don't get me wrong. These guys did some really good stuff, but I just don't feel like... I just don't feel like I saw anything I hadn't seen before. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. I thought this was a really great match, like bordering on one of the all-time NXT classics, and then Candice ran in, and because of WWE's rules where women can hit men, but men can't hit women... There is that much, like, spots in the match where people are missing Candace or the, the spot where Jonah jumps with Candace on his back onto Johnny and Candace just sort of rolls off Jonah's, uh, off Bronson's back and falls to the outside. It's just like, yeah, no. Mm. Like, and we've said it on the show before, like, we watch PWA, we enjoy intergender wrestling. It's just the, the WWE style of intergender wrestling I'm not a fan of where it's fine for women to run in and hit men and if a man tries to defend himself in any way where he wants to um, fight back against this um, evil uh, heel character woman, he can't. Yeah, and it just sort of limits like the things that they can do and it's sort of just makes you think, like, why are they even doing it then? Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with all that. So we go on to match number four, Adam Cole versus Pat McAfee. So, Cole, <laughs> go on. Match of the weekend. Cole walks to the ring alone as Undisputed Era go backstage from the ramp. Then Pat is in the backstage area with his cult members talking on the mic as he makes his entrance. And then it hit me that McAfee has had an NXT takeover match while Brendan Vink has none. Sad face. <laughs> um, so the match starts, headlocks, a lot of sort of back and forth, trying to lock up and that. Pat goes to the outside, then Cole goes to the outside. Pat stands behind his cult members, then Undisputed Era runs down. Now, what were you thinking of the match up until this point? I actually thought Pat looked great at this point. Oh, like he okay. Was, he was being as chicken assy as I thought he would be. Yeah, at this stage, I just sort of went, yeah, no thanks, and got up and left the room. <laughs> oh, come on. But I was like, I also tried to force myself to love this because of how outspoken I was about how this would be match of the night. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have seen a lot of um, comments about that. So, yeah, I saw him hiding behind um, 
for NFL players and Cole go to the outside and then undisputed ear runs in and they're all facing down and I just go, yep, no thanks. <laughs> Muted me TV and decide, you know what? I'm going to get some McCafe. <laughs> I went and got dinner. So you did not finish this match? No. <laughs> you did not? No. You... Oh, my God, I'm so angry at you. This match got really good. Um, yeah, like, I just saw where uh, this was going. Like, oh, you're going to have all the outside people get involved. Okay, no thanks. I'll uh, just yeah. go get dinner. Okay, so let me just continue the call here. Okay. So not too long after that, yeah, they all, all huddled up. Pat McCafe's on the top... You know what? I feel like he earned my respect during this match. So Pat McAfee is on the top rope, does a very nice swanton onto all these people on the outside. And that's pretty much the last we see of them. (laughs) So if you just had like two more minutes patience, that would have been gone for you. And also, you would have seen Pat McAfee do a really nice-looking dive to the outside. Anyway, there's a um, Adam Cole starts working over the leg of Pat McAfee, which is obviously a it's an obvious thing to do. He's the punter; he does the punt, and he keeps working over the leg and the foot. At one point, uh, Adam Cole and Pat McAfee are on the top rope. Uh, Adam pushes Pat, and Pat does a big backflip off the top rope and lands on his feet. Adam Cole's stand, uh, sitting on the top rope looking absolutely shocked. Then Pat McAfee does a massive leaping box jump, clearing all the turnbuckles and landing uh, up on top of the t- up on the top rope and delivers a superplex, just like how Shelton Benjamin used to do that big leap up onto the top rope. Yeah, Pat McAfee did that. <laughs> and, um, yeah, uh, eventually, yeah, uh, Adam Cole puts uh, uh, Pat McAfee through a lot. Uh, there's lots of selling going on, and eventually... Adam Cole gets the win with the Panama Sunrise, and I thought Pat was amazing in this match. Like, he's selling his facial expressions, his athleticism, the big jump, uh, the standing box jump from, from the mat to the top rope. That was just insane. Um, yeah. The the backflip landing on his feet, uh, the swanton to the outside, he did it all. I thought it was fantastic. Um, yeah, match of the night. I did whisper the phrase match of the weekend earlier, but it does get beat by someone the next night. I don't know if I really, really... I suppose it's not more so a match. I was going to say match of the night for Cody and Brody, but I suppose it's more so the whole match and angle. Yeah. 
can't really call that what three minute match of match of the <laughs> night. No. Um, okay, let me think about. It. I'll get back to you. Yeah, I think this was the only argument on this night is maybe the women's title match was better. But uh, I, I'm extremely disappointed in you for not watching this match. Um, I think it was fantastic, and um, you would actually appreciate Pat's efforts in this. Um, yeah. So if you just hung around two more minutes, what you were upset about was gone. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um I suppose from there we can talk about the women's championship. Yeah. Because as I walked back in from getting my lovely McDonald's dinner, Io Shirai was making her entrance to the ring. Oh, right. So you even missed out on Heartbreak Kick coming out. Oh. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Yes, uh, heartbreak kick and big lady cool. <laughs> yeah. So proud of that. So uh, proud of myself. <laughs> yes, it is the NXT Women's Championship. EO Shirai, the champion, versus Dakota Kai with Raquel Gonzalez in Dakota's corner. Now, I think we could both say we were pretty biased in this match, hoping Dakota would somehow win. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, We'd already had our hearts broken in the ladder match, so. Yeah, yeah, sadly, Bronson wasn't the lucky man there to, to lift aloft the title, but uh, halfway through this match, the ref is down as EO has the visual pin. Raquel becomes involved and attacks EO, then pulls Kai on top and drags the referee over to count the pin. EO takes down Raquel and Kai to retain um, shortly afterwards. Do you have much to say on the match itself before the post-match? Yeah, I thought this match was really good. Um, lots of just good classic wrestling with these two. Um, yeah, I thought it was a really good match. Yeah, so then post-match, Raquel and Kai begin to attack EO and Rhea Ripley runs down to make the save and runs down to save EO and stares down with Raquel in the ring. Um, I smell a heel turn coming. I really do. I think um, I think is going to do something with Big Lady Cool, maybe even go on to Dakota. But by the time she gets another shot at the NXT Women's title, she'll be heel. Rhea will? Yeah. Maybe. So, yeah, I I just have a couple of quick notes here again from the ever-so-lovely PC extras, including one shouting so loud it's very audible on the broadcast when Raquel and Rhea are staring down. Just fight. Stop talking. Just make contact. Oh, Okay. And then, after a great women's match, the crowd chants the Na 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 song. 
So the producers in the truck turn on EO's music, who's already left, to shut them up. Jeez. I hated this post-match. Your champion was a complete afterthought in it. She is gone. Rhea, who has had some of the worst short-term booking, feuding with this comedy act. <laughs> like, is she done with Mercedes because she put her through a table on the outside? Yeah. Like, yeah, okay. You've actually raised some good points here. Yeah. So now all of a sudden she's a credible contender again in the title picture versus Raquel, all because she's already lost the title twice <laughs> clean like um and yeah the the crowd did not help here it was a great match and as they're leaving they're chanting the na 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 song so the producers have to put on eo's music who's already backstage to shut them up mm. bums down <laughs> yeah yeah the post match was a little head scratching but I think it was all just for the vis the visual of these two uh, larger, taller, powerful women, big lady cool and Rhea having the stare down. But I don't I don't know if there's much there's much worth getting excited over with that prospect. To be honest, what what you do is you have Dakota and Raquel go up to Robert Stone and join join Robert Stone brand. That way they're guaranteed to be stuck feuding Rhea. Yeah. Uh, um, video packages showing that NXT UK is returning September 17th from the BT Studios in England. Uh, I'm very curious to... I'll probably look at the first episode. Yeah, I'm just curious because they sort of advertise it as a studio show. I doubt yeah. it'll be a proper studio show, but... Because I think WWE will inevitably get their fingerprints all over it. But I am curious. I'm also curious to see what's left of their roster. Yeah, like I suppose, has Walter gone home? Has someone like um, Killer Kelly, who's from Portugal, gone home? Like, yeah. Not only that, but like, do they have enough uncancelled wrestlers to even fill up the show? Yes, I suppose that's also true i found this weird that they're not going to their own england uh london based performance center to film this yeah it just makes you wonder if like how that performance center actually looks visually oh, i'm just saying maybe it's just um not quite right to to film in or something like that the lighting or whatever they can't get enough stuff in there or they don't have enough room to do the full setup that they would who knows well they normally black everything out anyway so yeah cesaro is then shown in the crowd and it then cuts to damien priest having a spa party in the full sale parking lot doesn't he know that's the most dangerous place in the nxt universe <laughs> it is um I'm still waiting to find out who attacked Hideo. Oh, my God. <laughs> you remember when, um, quick sidebar, when Kenta, like, 
first showed up in NJPW in New Japan and he like had a match against Lance Archer and the entire match Archer's just yelling at Kenta just going you're fucking Hideo <laughs> <laughs> um, so good like I just picture like him doing that to like him in a match with Moxley just being like you're Fucking Ambrose. <laughs> <laughs> or just like imagine him at double or nothing, like against Cody Rhodes, just being like, you're fucking stardust. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. Man. So did you see on uh like Triple H has to do his whole thing where it's like Hey everyone, look at how good I am. I created a star where he takes his little photo with the newest champion and all that sort of stuff. You mean Punishment Martinez, who used to be in Ring of Honor? Like he was actually a star there anyway. Hey, I'm sure if <laughs> Rhett Titus can get his own episode, I'm sure Punishment Martinez can oh. too. Oh. oh, you just reminded me. That's just disgusting. Have they done a best of cheeseburger yet or what? Um, I'm not sure, but he'd have some good matches in there considering he did tag with Liger a few times on the US shows. All right, well, they can bring back Grizzly Redwood and do a best of Grizzly Redwood. (laughs) Um, Um, Yeah, anyway, Triple H, photo, point pose, what'd he do? So... Like, normally it's backstage, he does the point and holds the champion and all that sort of good stuff. This time, it's him leaning... Like, Damien Priest is in the spa with two women and Triple H is just hanging over the edge of the spa just pointing at Damien Priest. Oh, wait, was that photo real? Yes! I thought someone just photoshopped that. No, that was legit. That was uh, Damien Priest's uh, Triple H uh, finger pokey <laughs> moment. Finger uh, poke of glory as opposed to doom. Oh, <laughs> that's what that's going to be called now. Finger <laughs> poke <laughs> of glory. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a little too innuendo for my liking. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's the main event, the WWE NXT Championship Keith Lee, your champion, versus Killian Cross with Scarlet in his corner. Did this start while AEW was still on the air? Yes. Okay. So. So this is like all happening like during the Cody Brody Lee, during the match, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I've got to admit the Cross Scarlet lip sync. Entrance, I'm still not a fan of. I still think it comes across as trash. It's like quite corny, isn't it? Yeah. It's just like, I think a lot of their act is actually quite corny. Like, we'll get to the post match later, but like the whole posing after the match and like the faces they make and stuff just comes across as like really tacky and corny at times. I'm still like, I still like half love Karrion Cross, but then like there's another part of me that's just like, oh, it's kind of bad though, isn't it? I don't know. 
For a man who had his face burnt less than two weeks ago, why is Lee not wearing a mask or bandages? Ah, uh, because he is limitless. <laughs> I don't know. And then, as the start, they start the match, Lee tosses Killian Cross to the outside, and the camera's on Lee as a PC extra shouts, Bask in his ass." Wow. Now, every time I see Lee, I'm going to think of this. Thank you, PC. What? I must have missed that. I think I turned this onto mute when I saw what happened on Dynamite. So that, That's why I asked, because this was like the very first two or three minutes into the match. He tosses Cross to the outside near the entrance ramp, and Scarlet's picking up Cross, and the camera cuts back onto Lee, and someone shouts, Bask in his ass. Okay. All right. Yeah. Like, okay. It's thanks. probably that bloody Bugenhagen. Uh, at one point, the men are brawling on the outside so long, the ref stops counting twice. See, it's not just the Aussie indies I pick on. <laughs> um, now, do you want to take it away, Alex, because I know you love hoss fights. Yeah, I thought, like, these two just went at it pretty good, like, really laying it in. Yeah, I really enjoyed the back and forth between these two guys. My only thing is maybe it went a little bit too long. A little too long for my liking. I I suppose um, I thought it was a really good match for what it was, two big brawlers. Um, Towards the end of the match... There's an avalanche fall out of the corner from Cross onto Lee and Cross pins Lee for the one, two, three and becomes the new WWE NXT champion. One of the commentators, I think it was Vic Joseph, says, quote, a stunned silence has come over everyone at full cell. And then the extras begin to bang on the glass. <laughs> um. So, like, I think this match could have really have benefited from having similar sort of booking as the Cody Brody Lee thing. Just get like, in and killed him. Yeah. Especially knowing where Keith Lee's going next. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to have to agree there as well. It might not have been like as entertaining to watch. Like it's nice that these two guys got to have a go in there and have a bit of time and put on a good match. But I think it would be far more effective if, yeah, it was just carrying across, just beating the holy crap out of Keith Lee for five minutes and that's it. Um, so I suppose we should talk about some news that was reported before SummerSlam. Did you happen to see this from WWE themselves? Yeah. Yeah. This is going to be interesting. So WWE reported that Killian Cross has suffered a shoulder injury following the Keith Lee match. Yeah, so poor old Carrion here um, is carrying a sore shoulder. Sorry, that was real bad. <laughs> ah, well. But um, yeah, Carrion is a bit cross about his sh- sore shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Any other funds you want to get out? Um, uh, no, no, that's all right. Uh, 
hopefully <laughs> Scarlet can stay by his bedside and, you know, whilst he's down and he's fallen, she can pray <laughs> for his better health. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Um, I suppose, yeah, we'll see on Wednesday, I guess, um, how long he'll be out for. From there, do you have time for something you didn't see coming? <laughs> oh, boy. So, yes. Uh, I even watched the pre-show. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> There's nothing to talk about on it, but, yeah, I watched it. Pre-show, Charlie's on the panel, introduces Booker T, Renee Young, future Hall of Famer, JBL, and Peter Rosenberg. The WWF World Heavyweight Champion and also a new member of the WCW roster. (laughs) Oh, yes, indeed. Um, Match on the pre-show was the WWE United States Championship Apollo Crews, the champion versus MVP with Bobby Lashley and 24-7 champion Shelton Benjamin being banned from ringside. Apollo Crews got the win here. Oh, no, I was just going to say, that's my thoughts on this match. Okay, like, (laughs) you've wasted so much TV time, like, around this particular feud, right? Yeah. And you're just going to pay it off in this manner on the kickoff. That's what they... that's what the WWE thinks of your time. Oh, boy. <laughs> In the closing stages of the pre-show, Charlie goes on to thank Renee Young for all she's done, especially for female commentators in WWE. Oh, Renee's just going to be missed. Um, yeah. She was d- definitely a bright spot in the WWE, Particularly going back to her talking smack run, the initial version of that, it was fantastic. Her and Daniel Bryan just going back and forth were fantastic on that show. So, yeah, she'll be missed. (laughs) Talking smack. Bryan's on there with AJ. You want to talk about how the world's flat? (laughs) You want to talk about how your feet are flat? (laughs) Uh, My favourite thing was... um, like Renee Young would be on there, she'd plug her Twitter account and then she'd ask Daniel Bryan to plug his Twitter account and goes, No, tout. This is my tout address. And this is like six years after the tout thing. And he's still trying to plug his tout because that's Daniel Bryan. He's the guy that doesn't have a TV. He's he's behind the times a bit. Uh but yeah, ultimately she'll be remembered for that that talking smack with um Daniel and the Miz, where she's going, calm down. Don't you walk away from me, Daniel. (laughs) (laughs) And now they bring it back after she's leaving. Thanks. Yeah, Yeah. it's just a a subtle fuck you. It's a subtle F you to Renee Young. Maybe not so subtle. Yeah. Um, Opening match on the pay-per-view. It is SmackDown Women's Championship. Bailey with Sasha in her corner versus Asuka. Asuka has an insert promo saying nobody is ready for Asuka. Bailey is on day number 317 of her SmackDown Women's Championship reign. Um, eventually, Asuka 
hits Sasha on the ring apron by mistake, and Bailey capitalizes, getting the win here to retain. Post match, Sasha and Bailey attack Oscar in the ring. And this is where I thought, oh, they're doing back to back women's matches to kick off the show. And then they walk backstage. Yeah, yeah. I definitely thought they were. I thought, like, on SmackDown that they were going to do it back to back, which would make it more important to, you know, win that beat the clock thing. But this sort of th- thing, like, they gave Oscar a lot of rest time after this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so goes back to Dominic's locker room where he's talking with his family and asks Ray to give his word he won't get involved tonight. Yeah, uh, it was good to see um, Angie Mysterio for the her first summer slam appearance in like 15 years <laughs> um, since the quote-unquote Dominic on a pole, if you ask me. But yeah, <laughs> the custody of Do- Dominic ladder match. Yeah. Um, then they go to the Raw commentary team who talks about retribution and as a highlight video. It's just dumb. Oh, like, yeah. These people are meant to be like an outside force invading the company, so why are you promoting them? What's the logic? The only way you should actually logically do this is if you do like Retribution actually hacked or like snuck into the production thing and played a video. Here's a video for the upcoming match with Bailey and such a uh, Bailey and Asuka and their video airs. Yeah. Instead, oh, Retribution at problems again. Sorry for that interference. Yeah. Um, exactly. Kevin Owens, they just need to be a little bit more creative than what they are. Kevin Owens joins commentary for the third match. It is the WWE Raw Tag Team Championships. The Street Profits, Dawkins and Ford versus Andrade and Garza with Zelina Vega in their corner. Now, as the Street Profits enter, it rains solo cups from the ceiling. That was a pretty cool visual. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Um, And as they're making their entrance, they also get an insert promo. This becomes a trend uh, in the Raw Thunderdome of insert promos. So the Street Profits defeat Andrade and Gaza to retain after Selena was knocked off the apron and Andrade was tending to her, leaving Gaza isolated in the ring. Post-match, there seems to be dissension between Andrade and Angel, as Angel leaves with Andrade and Zelina still in the ring. Kevin Owens promotes a KO show for tomorrow night's Raw with Alistair Black. Backstage with Bailey and Sasha, Ma- Sasha Banks promo, saying it's going to be a clean sweep tonight, and Bailey pulls out a broom. What do you think of this uh, backstage interview area? The in-the-ring one? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was great. That's a really good look. Yeah, I thought it looked fantastic. It had the like LED lights along the ring ropes and stuff like that, and the background and all that sort of stuff. Like, looked fantastic. I'd have to agree. Um, they then have a video for WWE Payback, which was confusing. I have so. It just seemed weird. That it's happening one week after SummerSlam? Yes. 
Yeah, it doesn't make sense, but okay, sure, go for it. Give us back-to-back pay-per-view weekends. You Match you up. can live tweet this one. <laughs> <laughs> match number four, no disqualification match where the loser leaves WWE. Mandy Rose versus Sonya Deville, originally a hair versus hair match. The women brawl around the outside. Mandy sets up a table, but Sonya attacks with a chair. Later, Mandy places Sonya on the table who slides off, and Mandy slides chairs over the table at Sonya on the other end, which is a cool spot I haven't seen done in ages, like where somebody's standing at the other end and they're flinging chairs down the table at them. Mm. Mandy hits four running knees and gets a pinfall victory over Sonya. Okay, here's one of my bad jokes again. I think it's not a running knee. It's the Mandy trigger. Yes. Um, (laughs) Sonya upset, leaves through the crowd, past the timekeeper and commentators, and Otis runs down with the Money in the Bank briefcase to celebrate with Mandy. They pose like Macho Man and Liz before Mandy tries to do a caterpillar, I guess. That was disgusting. Like, I genuinely thought it was the most cringeworthy thing on this whole show, was watching her try to do that. I was like, just stop this. I can't, I couldn't even, like, keep looking at it because it was just so bad. It was just one of those, like, really cringeworthy things. I hated it. Also, why did Otis have to come out with his money in the bank to remind us that he has that? Because... There's a point in later on in the show where I'm just like, why isn't Otis here? If they just had Otis come out without the briefcase, I wouldn't have been questioning what happens later in the show. Oh, don't worry, it'll happen. Yeah. Uh, match number five, street fight. Seth Rollins with Murphy in his corner versus Dominic Mysterio with Ray Mysterio in his corner. Uh, Seth comes out. In Halloween Havoc 97 inspired gear. Perfect. Like, <laughs> this is my favorite Ray Mysterio gear. If you go onto my Twitter and have a look at um, the photos I put up of my recently reorganized wrestling figure collection, there's a uh, WCW shelf. And if you look front and center in the middle of the WCW ring, is a Ray Mysterio in his Halloween Havoc 97 gear, right? Yep. So uh, so I had just organized that particular shelf the day before, and I, was, and I made sure to put that figure where it was. Then the very next day, Seth Rollins comes out in that gear, and I was just so happy. Like, like at that... At that point, it was already match of the night for me. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, commentators bring up the Dominic on a pole match without saying it was a Dominic on the pole match. So they brought up the match without mentioning it, it was for Dominic's custody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Murphy hands Kendo's stick to Seth, but Dominic grabs it from Seth halfway through the match. Every time Ray gets on the apron to help, Dominic begs him not to get involved. Later, Dominic continues to fight Seth as he attacks with more kendo stick shots. 
Both men are on the second rope and fall for a table set up in the ring. Dominic then lands a fog splash to a Dan Seth. Angie comes out on the ramp as she wants the match stop and Ray goes down to ringside and is handcuffed to the ring ropes. Ray is forced to look on as Dominic receives the stomp and Seth gets the pinfall victory. And as Seth walks out with Murphy, he drops the handcuffed keys onto Dominic before Ray comforts Dominic in the post-match. Yes, yeah, so, um, yeah, you sort of mentioned them falling through a table. Uh, Dominic hit, in honour of our recent ECW reviews, uh, a white Russian leg sweep with the kendo stick onto Seth. So um, Dominic is more Sandman than he is Rey Mysterio. <laughs> <laughs> So he's going to be Sand Boy from now on. Um, but yeah, I, I loved this match. Like, so I was messaging like a few other mates of mine during this match. And this was a Monday morning, obviously, watching live. Poured myself a coffee just before this match. Sat it on the coffee table. Like I said, it's been some very cold mornings here. It doesn't take long for my coffee to go cold. But I got so lost in this match that from the time of the entrances till the, after the post-match was done, I did not touch my coffee at all. And my coffee went completely frozen cold. And I love my coffee. So for something to get me so invested and into watching it that I would ignore caffeine... Yeah, you've done a good job. You've hooked me. And I didn't even care that much about this storyline heading into it. So from there, there's a video for WWE 24 WrestleMania. The show must go on. Have you watched this? I watched it immediately after watching SummerSlam. Okay. I might watch it myself and we might talk about it on a future review. Yeah, uh... We get a Riot City Wrestling reference. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of Riot City footage as well. Oh, sounds very good. Yeah. Uh, so from there, it's now time for match number six. It is Sasha Banks, the Raw Women's Champion versus Asuka. Asuka still does her full entrance, showing no signs of anger or injury, including jumping off the top rope. Like, she had her knee and leg worked over the whole first match. Yeah. Sasha lands a sunset flip from the apron onto Asuka down to the floor. The Raw Women's Champion, the Blueprint. Hey, Alex, what is the DNA of TNA doing today? <laughs> He's a mayor of some town in California. He's really? the mayor of Longwood, California, I believe. Really? And I'm just going to Google search. Mayor Longwood, Matt Morgan. <laughs> wow. Yep. Um, Oscar keeps going to the top rope on a bag of leg. Commentary switches which leg is injured mid-match. Saying it was the right, then the left. <laughs> Even though yeah. her bandage is on the on the uh, left leg the entire match. Asuka knocks down Bailey, 
then has Sasha isolated in the ring and makes her tap. And Asuka becomes the Raw Women's Champion again, celebrating in the ring. All of Sasha's Raw title reigns have been short. 27 days, 27 days, 19 days, 8 days and 26 days for 107 total days. How many successful title defences? None. None. (laughs) Maybe one. None. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Yeah, I I think that's actually a good thing that they can build to. So if if they go to, like... Like um, Sasha, like eventually challenges Bailey for the title. Then you got two things that you can really build around: Sasha challenging for the title, and then if she wins it, the next thing you can really build up to is can Sasha finally successfully defend her title? Because the only title they've defended, she's ever defended successfully on the main roster, has been the tag titles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, match number seven, your co-main event is the WWE Championship. Drew McIntyre, the champion, versus Randy Orton. Uh, during Randy's entrance, there's a picture-in-picture backstage video from Shawn Michaels standing in the shadows. Yeah. <laughs> Why did we need this? I don't know. Because reasons. Um <laughs> Yeah, but we got the return of the Randy Orton Golden Shower. That's the name of his pyro, isn't it? <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> um, now, Drew's McIntyre music, is it the second best fed music with bagpipes? Uh, no, it's not. Oh, okay. What is it's the, the best. second best? It's the best. Get out of here. Oh, man, like, Roddy, Roddy Piper's is pretty iconic. But, like, if you judge it on the actual music itself, like, it's pretty badass. Like, it's pretty cool music. Sure, sure. Um, do you want to run down this match a little? Oh, this is a good back-and-forth match. Uh, this is just, like, like, the sort of textbook... Uh, ring psychology you expect from these two men um lots of back and forth um like nothing too crazy here but this was like a real like this had the feel of a genuine like big time main event sort of sort of match and um drew mcintyre gets the win out of nowhere with the backslide like and neither men hit their finisher at any point in this match. Well, they did keep telling us you won't see it coming. Yeah. So what we won't see coming is the two moves that you're not meant to see coming, but we only didn't see it coming because it never came. <laughs> so from there, there's a video tomorrow night, Limitless Keefley on Raw. Uh, your main event of the night is a... Falls Count Anywhere Universal Championship match. Braun Strowman, the champion, versus The Fiend. Falls Count Anywhere. When was this announced? Not SmackDown. Yeah. uh, Yeah, this was, like, put up on Twitter, like, immediately after SmackDown, I think. And I was like, why didn't you just put it on SmackDown? Oh, when I was busy watching New Japan. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This match was... 
yeah, it it was what it was. It was. I would not. Oh. Do okay. Yeah, go on. You go. They made Braun Strowman look like the biggest goddamned idiot in the world. He spends all this time with this bloody box cutter cutting up the ring, finally gets all this stuff off the ring so he exposes the wood and then turns around and the fiend's just standing there and then hits his finisher, hits the urinagi on Braun and then hits his finisher. Braun's an idiot. Yeah, so Braun ends up losing because he wanted to expose the wooden uh, wooden sleepers in the uh, ring but end up going headfirst into them. Yeah, he just turns around and the fiend's just standing there. <laughs> just like, oh, it just made him look like a massive dumbass. Like, oh. Just... But don't worry, we've got something good to talk about in just a moment. So as the Fiend is standing in the ring, hey, everyone, Roman's back. Yeah, this uh, caught, well, actually, it didn't quite catch me off guard. Because, um, yeah, I tweeted out earlier on in the pay-per-view, I think it was just after the second match, I'd noticed a trend in some of the ads they were playing on the network where most of the ads seem to feature Roman Reigns these days. And for a little while there, they were refusing to acknowledge the existence of Roman Reigns. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. We must be getting Roman back soon. A lot sooner than I thought. (laughs) So did I. Um, Good to see Roman back. Tax Bray. And then uses a chair to bury Strowman. I wouldn't say bury, but yeah, he really, really laid it on him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so good, good closing segment, I thought. Match was complete trash. But yeah, it was. For the the post-match angle you were having there, you needed that to be your, your main event. Yeah, yeah. Um, I still would have liked it if Drew and Randy got the main event. Yeah, that would that should have been the the main event match. I suppose from there, do you want to talk about some Ring of Honor? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't blame you because this week's episode was the best of the allure. Oh, hang on. The beautiful people. Yeah, except it's Angelina Love and Mandy Leone. Oh. Yeah, nah. <laughs> nah. Nah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, how about Raw then? <laughs> nah. <laughs> um, nah, let's, let's get into it. Um, Every week they ask, no, no wrong show. (laughs) (laughs) They ask if they're never going to keep you down, but they do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Yeah, they go into a full pay-per-view recap. Drew's out for a promo. 
but gets attacked by Randy on the stage and they brawl backstage. Nia Jax is backstage saying she was suspended but has been reinstated. Shayna appears and the two begin to trash talk backstage. First match of the night, Shayna Baszler versus Bailey with Sasha Banks in Bailey's corner. Um, before the bell, Nia appears on the ramp. They come back and uh, towards the end of the match, Nia Jax attacks Shayna to end the match in disqualification. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler chase off Bailey and Sasha Banks and stand together after Nia just attacks Shayna. What? That made no sense. That made no sense. Uh, Kevin Owens is backstage looking for Alistair Black, opens his door and then slams it shut. Going to the KO show after ads, Kevin Owens and Alistair Black. Alex, Alistair comes down wearing a bandage over his eye. Kevin shows video of the eye injury and Alistair snaps attacking Kevin. Much to yeah. there. Um, like, no doubt these two are going to put on some great matches, so that's good. Uh, Alistair is a heel. Um, I think that'll be interesting. I think that'll be good. Should work. Um, Sasha and Bailey are backstage arguing before match number two, WWE 24-7 Championship. Shelton Benjamin versus Cedric Alexander versus Akira Tozawa with the ninjas in his corner versus R-Truth. Nothing match where Tozawa ends up pinning R-Truth to become the 24-7 champ again. Uh, Randy is making his way to the ring and asked for a comment. Doesn't talk to the backstage interviewer. After the ad, it's uh, Randy cuts a promo in the ring but is interrupted by debuting Keith Lee. Lee says he wants a match with Randy, but Randy says it'll be on his time. Yeah, go ahead. Anything there? Yeah, so they've changed Keith Lee's music to be far more generic. Uh, we'll see later on, but uh, they're now making him wear a rashy in the ring. And... Because, you know, Vince doesn't want to see a fat body. What about Otis? Yeah, exactly. Or is that because he's comedy? That's because he's comedy. It's funny. He doesn't want Keith Lee to be funny, so he's got to cover up his body, right? And now he's wearing these, like, baggy shorts that kind of look like a dress. I don't know, man. Yeah, so they're just like... I wouldn't say completely changed his presentation, but they've altered his presentation to I don't know I just don't like it I don't like it at all um I I like where they're putting him they're putting him in a fantastic spot don't get me wrong I just wish you know at the very least he kept his theme music as it was because what he got now was like the intro of his old theme song and then as soon as it gets into the hook it just goes to generic, like, instrumental music instead of the Keith Lee sung rap song that he used to come out to. So from there, backstage, Selena, Angel Garza, and Demi are all talking. Then Charlie comes in to ask about the poisoning. Seems like Angel and Selena have made up from their argument about the match last night because they go straight into a match. 
Angel Garza with Andrade, Demi Burnett in his corner versus Montez Ford with Angelo Dawkins in his corner. Partway through the match, Ivar comes down to talk to Demi, offers her a turkey leg, and they go backstage. Sorry, distracted, Montez picks up the win over Garza. So Shayna and Nia are talking backstage. Nia suggests they go after the tag team titles, and Shayna agrees. The rights bump into Belair backstage as they have a match coming up tonight. Announce for payback this Monday. Bailey and Sasha Banks are champions versus Nia Jack and Shayna Baszler for the Women's Tag Team Championship and The Fiend versus Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. Yeah, so you reckon they're going to put the belt on Reigns already? If he's back, I reckon they will, because wasn't that the plan at Mania to put on Goldberg to put on Reigns? Yeah. So we didn't really get into it too much, but we might as well since we just brought him up here. Was Reigns a heel then on SummerSlam? No, I don't think so. I thought he had some heel tendencies then. Yeah, but the piped-in music made it sound like they were cheering. Uh, Also, who was the heel and who was the face with The Fiend and um, Braun? I completely forgot to talk about this. Um, Well, Braun was the heel because The Fiend saved... Alexa, and Braun attacked the Fiend in his own house. I I don't know. I guess that makes some sense. Yeah. Yeah. It was just really confusing. Or were were they both heels? Who knows? Just like, yeah. Just get the belt out of... Like, I actually like the Fiend. I like him. I just don't want him to be in the title picture. I... I don't hate Braun Strowman. I was actually at one point quite a big fan of him, but not anymore so much. Um, But get the title away from these two guys. Put it on Roman. Uh, Next match is Zelina Vega with the Iconics, Billy Kane, Peyton Royce versus Bianca Belair and the newly rechristened Right to Tip squad, Ruby Wright and Liv Morgan. Nothing to add there. Oh, man. No, I, I could never get sick of the joke. <laughs> um, quick little match. Bianca and the Wrights end up winning. Backstage, Cedric and Ricochet are arm wrestling, and Mark Henry comes in to take the arm wrestling podium to the ring, and MVP goes in to talk to Ricochet and Cedric, saying that Cedric should join the Hurt Business. Mark Henry is in the ring... For the arm wrestling match, it is Apollo Crews versus Bobby Lashley. And Apollo Crews ends up winning here and in the post-match escapes the Hurt Business running up the ramp. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just generic, like, strongman stuff, but it's fine. Mysterio family are having a backstage interview complete with a Rey Mysterio Louis Vuitton mask. Oh, okay. I must have missed this bit. So he's wearing his mask and the white patches have the Louis Vuitton logo on it. Oh, okay. Very, very weird. Um, yeah. Very so around classy. This time, around <laughs> this time, um, Eliza just randomly came home from work early and then was like, hey, I need you to go around and get some groceries. I was like, 
but you just came here from places. You could have got it. Okay, I'll go do it. I'm a good boy. <laughs> so uh, I missed a bit of this. Oh, that's right. You didn't miss much because next was Natty and Lana in the ring for a Hall of Fame introduction. Oh, wait. It's just a troll to run down Mickey James saying that she has no Hall of Fame career. Then Mickey runs in and attacks hashtag team boat. Oh, God. Ugh. Yeah. Right. 9.54 p.m. Trash. Lana is trash. Mickey James is good. But, yeah, I can't stand Natty or Lana. So, thank God I missed that. Yeah. Mickey James is awesome. Hardcore Country is a lot better than her current song. Yeah, yeah, very much. Plus, she survived. Oh, Go on. I was just going to... Don't uh, worry, it's going to be vulgar. Country. And she also survived getting run over by a train after James Storm pushed on train tracks. Oh, man, that was the best worst storyline. Oh, that was so, like, <laughs> grossly amazing. Oh, man. 9.54pm, time for Raw Underground. Shane McMahon's about to open the underground as the Hurt Business arrive and MVP demands a match. So we go into the underground matches. Bobby Lashley defeated someone. Then he bet up Dolph Ziggler. Then he defeated someone else. Randy Orton versus Keith Lee. This match was nothing because of what happens. So towards the end of the match, Drew McIntyre runs in and attacks Randy Orton, meaning Orton wins via disqualification <laughs> against Keith Lee. And Keith Lee just vaporizes into thin air as soon as the bell is rung because Drew and Orton continue brawling. Backstage, Drew is interviewed saying how he wants to face Orton and is attacked from behind. So Randy Orton punts Drew McIntyre for the third time. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't. I don't know. Like they sell it as bloody Drew having a cracked skull or whatever. But after last week, where Shawn Michaels was barely selling the punt, and then you have Drew McIntyre cop two punts at the start of the night, and then still come out and look pretty much fine until he cops a third. Like, I, I don't know if they're making the punt look dangerous or if they're actually slowly killing the punt. I'd say the second they're slowly sort of ruining yeah. it. Uh, match number 10 is an... Imp- I do not remember this being announced. It is a WWE Raw Ch- Women's Championship match. Asuka the champion versus Sasha Banks. And the Raw Women's Locker Room surrounds the ring as this is a lumberjack match. This booking is ass about face because, like, wouldn't you have Sasha retain last night? So then Asuka has a reason with Bailey's interference to say, right, we're having a lumberjack match. That way, if she does get involved, all these other people can stop her getting involved. I don't know. I think this was just like Sasha gets her mandatory rematch or whatever. Does she deserve a rematch for not having it 30 days and no successful defense? 
Every champion gets a mandatory rematch. It's just they were the... all supposed to stop a year ago when the McMahons came back. Man, if I told you right now that that was like over two years ago, <laughs> you would not believe me. <laughs> but it was. Oh, man. Yeah, nothing match. Asuka ends up winning here to retain. Drew is taken away in an ambulance as Keith, as Keith Lee looks on mad. Uh, back to the underground, Bobby Lashley defeats Cedric Alexander. Then the Vikings jump up and brawl with the Hurt Business. And yeah, the, nothing. <laughs> yeah, nothing here. The Hurt Business stand tall as they go and sign off from Raw Underground. Uh, Keith Lee versus Randy Orton is also announced for payback. And then it is time for the main event, Dominic and Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins and Murphy which ended in a no contest as Retribution runs in, Seth and Murphy leave, and Dominic and Ray are attacked as they go off the air. Yeah. One of them was clearly Dominic Dijak. Because he's, like, seven foot tall and everyone else isn't? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, remember when they first debuted and they were all, like, just tiny? Like, when they trashed SmackDown that week? Like oh. They all come out, and they were, like, barely taller than the top rope. And now this, like, then you look at it this week in particular because they're all posing on the apron. Like, they're all just all of a sudden huge. Yeah, this doesn't interest me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, why are these people that are targeting, like, WWE or whatever their reasoning is, they seem to be hell-bent on sabotaging the WWE, so whatever. But why on earth would they not target SummerSlam? Like, if you're going to like, try to sabotage, like, wouldn't you pick one of their biggest stages? <laughs> like, it's just illogical. Friday. Friday. Oh, they were there Friday, so they did know where the Thunderdome was. Yeah, that is stupid. Yeah, it's dumb. <sighs> okay, speaking and also, every, like they announced like during the week where the Thunderdome was, like WWE announced it. It was like that. I think it was the Amway Center in Orlando, so everyone knows where it is. So uh, there's no excuses. As I've said before, I'll say it again. Goobers. Yeah, I'd have to have to agree there as well. I suppose we should get your quick thoughts overall on the Thunderdome sort of setup and that. Um, it looks it's visually impressive. Um, my problem is, what's the point in having all those bringing all these people in to have their faces there when you can't hear them? I think this is where you and I differ because I'm enjoying this. It is different. The arena's lit up. The crowd, like, whilst there can be a few who are distracting, there was someone on there with a pet. There was someone on there with, like, a Pikachu stuffy. Yeah. Uh, did you see the two things that happened on Raw today? Uh, no. I haven't been on Twitter uh, two yep, separate times, someone 
two separate times someone snuck on with a picture of a certain uh, wrestler who shall not be named. CB? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as I sort of alluded to, I thought this would happen at some point too. Yeah. But um, I enjoyed, I enjoyed a hell of a lot more than what NXT's got with stupid... Like, they're not even fans who are chirping. It's their, their fellow wrestlers. Yeah. Like, how does shouting bask in his ass help keep Lee in a championship match? They're wrestlers. They should know what they want a crowd to chant for them. So how? they should be able to figure out what to chant for someone else. How they does, should know what the appropriate reaction is. How does chanting na 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 na, hey hey hey, goodbye at Dakota, Gonzalez, and Ripley make me want to see that match? Yeah, exactly. How does when Keith Lee loses and the commentators are saying the crowd is shocked into silence and you're banging on the glass help help the environment? I think that one might have actually been the fault of the commentators. Like, wouldn't you tell them, though, Keith Lee's going to lose and we want you all to act really quiet because this is devastating for NXT? You would think they would tell them that, but who knows? Yeah, so overall, I enjoyed the Thunderdome a hell of a lot better than that. TakeOver, I wasn't watching head-to-head, so I... Watch Dynamite first, which I probably shouldn't have, and then watch Takeover. Um, yeah, I thought for what it was, my match of the weekend, I really enjoyed Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Uh, okay, so there was one point in that match that totally made me hate that match, and I just they didn't get me back after it. Okay, go on. Mandy spent like a good minute or two trying to set up a table. Yep. That never got used. That's why I love it. Yeah. They never the used way the she, table. She kept trying to set this thing up and it was going on for way too long. You could tell she was getting frustrated and it just never happened. Yeah, you just but- wasted my time there, honey. But in her taking so long, as soon as she had it set up and put it upright, Sonya came in and hit her with a chair. Yeah, but could you have at least given us a table spot? No, that's why I like it. Every other match that pulls out a table, they go through the table. When was the last time you saw someone pull out a table and not go through a table? Yeah, but like... Is that a good thing, though? You tease something and you don't deliver it. Oh, well, you look at that... For a finale of a feud. Well, you look at the the TNA show we watched and the fans were chanting for more tables after they delivered one table. Yeah, that's true, too. But you're not going to get those chants in the Thunderdome, at least. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I really enjoyed that match. Um, yeah. So have you listened to any reports as to why the stipulation was changed? Uh, I don't know the particulars, but I would assume that Sonia probably needs a bit of time off, right? 
Yeah, so I'd pretty much assume her shaving her head with a court case going on wouldn't be a good look, and she probably wants some time off to deal with all that stuff. Well, she probably—I would assume she's moving house, right? Yeah, I think that's that's a given. Yeah, so she's got to move house. That's a stressful thing. It's like the worst thing in the world to do for anyone that's never moved a house. It sucks. Um, and then she's got to like. Surely, like, while she's still in the house she's in, or maybe she's already out, but, like, she's got to be struggling, being comfortable, like, sleeping, like, all that sort of stuff. Like, it's got to be a whole mental thing going on with this. Yeah, yeah, and we, we just hope that she's doing all right with all that. Yeah, and going out and play fighting with her mates is probably not high on the list of her priorities at the moment. No. Ah, well, I think we've gone a bit long today. Ah, uh, you reckon? <laughs> um, just so you know, everybody, the best, the two best matches of the weekend featured people having their first matches. Keith Lee. No. <laughs> Keith Lee on Raw. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that young upstart Randy Orton versus... That other young upstart Drew McIntyre, yeah. Nah, um, <laughs> nah. Um, so, match of the weekend for me was Dominic and Ray. Just the emotion in that match, just yeah. You got me to have a cold coffee. <laughs> you, you cooled my coffee right down. I can't stress how big of a deal that is, especially in the winter for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that I really enjoyed. I'm probably going to go back and watch the um, the Cole, uh, McCaff, McCaff. No, say McCaff. I haven't <laughs> earned his respect yet. Cole and Pat match back, and then see what goes on there. And I'll watch the um the 24 special. Yeah, watch the 24 special. It's uh very interesting. Yeah, but I suppose um. We'll be back soon talking WCW, talking R Block, and then talking some more Aussie wrestling later in the month. Exactly. Uh, man, I'm so excited to talk about this WCW show with you. Oh, Have you yeah. watched it yet? Yeah, yeah, I've already watched it. It's very different. <laughs> Man, did I find the weirdest show or what? Yeah, I don't think you'll be in put in charge of that many selections again in one month. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, man, it was like 50 minutes. Yeah, I know. That was the saving grace there after a Nitro <laughs> and a Thunder. Uh, yeah, the, the Nitro and Thunder, I admit, was my bad. <laughs> I, I stuffed up right there. But... Yeah. Um, Oh, boy, this uh, WCW Saturday night. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is out there. Uh, so with that being said, we'll talk to you all next time. Good night, humans. Moi. <laughs> <laughs>